Suslov with the corner. Away by Rabiot. That's Foloruncho! That is a glorious goal! Michael Foloruncho with nominally his weaker foot. Ayop mid docs and welcome back to another episode of Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 114 and we are your hosts Matt and Jake here to discuss match day 25 which was full of bangers. Full of bangers and the goal of the week was a particularly difficult one to choose. Bro. Yes, yes. Today more than ever I would say. Yeah. Um Show had an incredible strike with his weaker left foot. A beautiful volley against Juventus. On the turn uh, bro. On the turn. Absolutely insane strike. And Huisen just decided to, I don't even know who he became. No, he became Theo Hernandez. He became Theo Hernandez. There we go. He had the ball at the halfway line. He dribbled a player, advanced, dribbled another player and curled it from outside the area, placing and it into the back of the net. And then he did the, the softest sui. Su- yeah, it was a really obviously. chill one. It's yeah. like just just going to hit a quick sui, guys. <laughs> exactly. we, can, we can get on with it. Like it's frozen on at the end of the day. I don't want to give this my all. You know? I think um, the the Folarunsha goal was was special though. It was so sweetly struck and so perfectly hit that like he'll never replicate that goal. Again. He'll never connect with a ball like yeah. that ever again. Especially it's, with his left. It's about the the cleanest, weaker foot strike you you'll ever catch. And obviously the stage in which he did it for Verona, um, getting the opener against Juve. His stocks, think... his stocks are rising. Eh? The guy's been on loan for from Napoli for a while. Yeah, and he was at Bari last season. He had a promising season, mm-hmm. but granted, it was in Serie B. But this year, he's he's been our goal of the week um, twice now. Yeah, twice. That's crazy. The twice. other goal was incredible as well. He dribbled. It was similar to Huisen's. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Just Huisen's goal any other week, and it would have fucking taken it. I swear to God. Most likely, most likely. Just one more point regarding Huisen's goal is that. Of course, Huisen had to make the decision whether to join Frosinone or whether to join Roma just last January. And he was confident enough to choose Roma because Mourinho wanted him. And he said, I'll earn my place at Roma and I'll play. And there he is showing Frosinone what they missed out on. Yeah, um, and Roma, of course, already want to extend his loan or make him permanent at the end of the season. But Juve, apparently, according to Tutto Sport, have closed all the doors and are trying, not trying, are set to bring him back to, to Turin for next season. Yeah, look, he's a, he's a young, talented and very deployable centre-back. Um, especially Juve, they, they need as many centre-backs as they can get their hands on with, with you know, playing a, a three-at-the-back formation. Um, Rome obviously could could have used him this season when Evan Indica was out at AFCON. Mm. Um, but yeah, it turns out Huisen is hot property. Absolutely, absolutely. And he has the appearance of a teenager and he he is a teenager, you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day he plays like a like a like a veteran man. He has this He's got a calm head, a composed head on those shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's speak a bit about Europe rather than speak about it. Let's go through uh, the European competitions a bit. You were absolutely right about Lazio beating Bayern Munich and I was absolutely wrong. (laughs) Lazio won Bayern Munich nil. What a performance and what a shift Lazio put in in this game. They were defending in numbers, they were attacking in numbers, they were confident. What did you think? Bro, at the end of the game, Sarri went in front of the press and said he was disappointed that they didn't get another goal after what's-his-name was sent off at the end. Um, they they honestly could have made it more. Uh, a completely, a completely different side, Lazio. 
Yes, um, they they really played the occasion and they had a lot of frustration that they vented out mm-hmm. and they, they got it done. As I said, this was an opportunity for them to kind of have a, a blank slate, like a fresh start. You know, things yeah. haven't been going very well in the league, but this is the first round of a European knockout game. So they could write their own destiny um, and kind of like start from the beginning. And they, they seized the opportunity by the balls and Bayern Munich didn't have a single shot on target and they made Harry Kane look like an amateur. Yeah, look like a dweeb. Yeah. Fuck you, Fuck, Harry. That's, that's, a, that's a fun little statistic as well that... Um, it was Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid had zero shots on target against Inter and Lazio. Uh-huh. Let's round. let's jump on to that. Inter won, Atletico nil. Um, I definitely think Inter could have had more goals here. Uh, I mm. think in in partic- well, a lot of them were wasteful. Even Lautaro was a bit wasteful at times, but particularly Arnautovic, yeah. which isn't news. We we've seen him. It's build. a theme. Yeah, and typically in order to get a goal um, against Atletico, be it at home or away in this case, naturally Inter were home, you need to suck off the entire stadium in order to score against the way they they are quite literally a five at the back. Um, Not even a three at the back, but a five at the back. It's a Diego Simeone old school um, system. But Inter controlled the tempo of that game. They were constantly attacking and then... Um, Atletico's half I thought Inter were good I thought they could have made it more to be honest yeah for sure um, Atletico are still in this tie but um, but yeah Inter were absolutely dominant in that game and yeah I, I don't think they gave Atletico a sniff to be honest mm-hmm. the thing is in the in, Atletico have some players that could turn a game around mm-hmm. they, they've got some real game changers particularly Antoine Griezmann and, and Inter have suffered a, an injury as well Thuram's out for 20 days is he out for 20, 20 days? days? Yeah. Does that mean Arnautovic is going to need to play for 20 days? I guess so, unless they they figure something else out. I don't think they yeah. they have many options, to be honest it's with you. Either it's him either him or, him or Sanchez. Sanchez. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Napoli are playing. Anything will happen. No, no, Inter, Inter are running away with the league. The, the, by the way, just an announcement over here. Um, you know, Inter won the league, guys. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> congratulations, Inter. You have won the league it's it's quite official um from where we're standing after Juve and Milan drop points again but we'll get into that Napoli are playing tonight against Barca they start in around two hours so very excited for that Milan beat Rennes 3-0 mm-hmm. it was a fantastic performance by Milan great display dominating super performance um and you know when you play against uh a team that you don't really watch, your favorite team play, or a team you like plays against a team that you don't really watch, and yeah. a European fixture, and you don't know what to expect. I had seen so so these guys, you know, their numbers domestically are, are great. They hadn't lost a game in twenty twenty four. They they had won every single game in twenty twenty four, and even the last one of twenty twenty three. Yeah, they won eight games in a row. Yeah, they were they were flying. I don't know if Milan were great. Or if they were absolutely terrible. But I, I don't know, man. Like, Lecce put up more of a fight than these guys. Udinese are a way tougher side than I, these guys. I agree <laughs> with you wholeheartedly, bro. I'm, I'm sorry, but this French league, in my, exactly. in my opinion, is fucking nothing, bro. Like, genuinely. Genuinely. Like, the, the, maybe the top two, top three can, can, uh-huh. can um, offer something. I think... Maybe overall, uh, the the standard isn't isn't the same as Italy. Of course, it's it's known that the Italian league has improved, mm. whereas the French league kind of you know you have a few teams here and there, but but a few come up and go down. Like Marseille, sometimes are good. Lyon, sometimes mm-hmm. no. Um, 
I think they're they're more of like a place where where players develop nowadays, man. Like, exactly. Like, you get so many gems from the French league. Like Arthur Theat is, is there nowadays. There was Seco Fofana there at one point. You know, there are so many bargains in the in the French league to to go for. But of course, still an entertaining league. I'm just not sure if um, Milan were just incredible or if they were absolutely terrible. I think it might have been a combination of both because their defending left a lot to be desired. But they did show quite a bit going forward. Uh, they challenged Mike a few times and it wouldn't be the first time if they if they were to come back. Um, if, if you remember in 2004, Milan, a star-studded Milan, mm. took on uh, Deportivo in, uh-huh. the, in a European knockout game. I believe this was the year Inter won it. Um, and they won the first leg 3-0 In the second leg they went out full squad Everything like we're talking Cafu We're talking Seedorf We're talking Gattuso mm. So like star studded bro Pirlo uh-huh. every, everyone was there And they lost 4-0 Milan lost 4-0 And were knocked out And it's not the Deportivo. first time it happened You look at the Champions League final Against Liverpool for example 3-0 in the first half You can see 3 in the second half In European fixtures anything can happen Yeah that, that's that's true that's true. Um, I don't think tech, I don't really think Milan have anything to worry about. I think they could go um, in with a fair bit of rotation and, and get this done after. I wouldn't rotate anyone. I think it's a good thing that Pioli got the rotation done against Monza, um, even though that was a disaster. Well, there's Atalanta yes, coming up. It's true, but at this point, what do Milan want? To, we congratulated uh, Inter on the league. What's yeah. the point of going out full squad against Atalanta yeah, but, and risking Europe? Jake, it, 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 it is not a guarantee that Milan are going to get Champions League. It's not. It's not. It's true, but it, it's, it's, not. it's not a guarantee that um, you'll go out with your reserves. You're telling saying me go out with your reserves, but but, but you can you can afford to. I don't like the way Pioli rotates, which is something we'll discuss soon. <laughs> yeah. But it's either like all or nothing. It's either like three guys who have never played together or three of the same faces every time. It's like drop one. Or drop two of them. Keep Giroud in the middle. Yeah, let him always, link up. True, let him true, link them true. up. He you never know? introduces he like Chukweza with the rest of the starting team. Chukweza like n- never plays with Giroud. Never plays with with yeah. Leao. You know how how are they supposed to challenge for the first team? But let let's jump to the other game. It was um, Feyenoord one, Roma one. Uh, Feyenoord always give Roma a, a tough game. However, Lukaku seems confident that it'll be a totally um, different game. In um, the Olympico, yeah, this this was tough, bro. For Roma, Feyenoord looked fucking solid. They looked tough to break down and solid going forward. Very fluid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're always another team that produces great talent. Feyenoord, um, they have some very tricky players, and they did give Roma quite a tough time, as they always do. Um, and mm-hmm. they gave Lazio a tough time as well recently. Yes, I, I believe, yes, in a European fixture. But yeah, um, Roma continue to impress, man. De Rossi continues to to impress, mm-hmm. and and yeah, he the second leg will be a different story at the Olympico, definitely. Yeah, I think so. I think so, guys. If you're new here, don't forget to drop a rating, uh, five stars, and <laughs> if you if you can, we've got a five star average, and it would be great to maintain that. Drop us a follow on um, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at Seria a Spotlight. And yeah, maybe even become a patron for three ninety nine. Help yes. us contribute to the the growth of this podcast. Become a patron today. Become a legend, just like Alan, Andrew, Andy, Anthony, Tim, Campbell, Sluge, McNoodle, David, Lena, Kyle, Luca, Matthias, Mintoff, Tuna. Not by Tuna, <laughs> I mean Tonna, Michael, and Ed. 
Um, these are our spotheads. These are um, the people who keep this show alive. And if you would like to join them, guys, it's $3.99 a month and you'll be added to a WhatsApp chat um, with football hooligans and they're just obsessed with football they bleed yeah. football these guys and they're, yeah. they're constantly talking about it and you learn a lot you know from this group mm-hmm. you know it's one thing i can't do anymore mm-hmm. um well i can't find a way to do it but like yesterday i tried to leave a podcast on while i was falling asleep and so naturally my, my internet was on and my phone kept vibrating because we've got brothers in, in America, Australia, all communicating all the time um, about football. So I had to turn off my podcast, <laughs> turn off my internet to, to get some sleep. You know, you know you can mute groups, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to, bro. I, I, don't, I, I want to see what they're talking about. They, like they, they pick up the most obscure conversations about obscure football teams. Like, yeah. you know, the Swedish league and this and that. It's, it's amazing. The amount of ball knowledge in there is amazing. Um, but I think we have been yapping for a while and we should really, really start talking about what happened in match day 25. Um, for the rundown, we'll start off with Inter's dominant display with a 4-0 victory over Salernitana. It was an absolute baptism of fire. For Salernitana coach Fabio Liverani will then jump to Verona 2, Juventus 2, where Michael Folloruncio scored an absolute screamer to open the scoring and Juve once again dropping points. Um, Milan had the opportunity to jump Juve and go in second after facing Monza away from home, but lost 4-2. They did get back from two goals down with 10 men to make it 2-2. However, got a little bit greedy and Monza managed to run away with a 4-2 victory. Atalanta 3, Sassuolo 0, two penalties saved by Karnesecki. Well, it was one penalty which had to be retaken and, and, you know, two fantastic saves by another, yet another talented young Italian goalkeeper. Lazio 1, Bologna 2. Bologna have now gotten the better of Lazio twice this season and it was a great display over here by Bologna away from home, which is only their second away win this season, which is fucking crazy. Napoli got an equalizer against Genoa in the last minute through Ngonj to make it 1-1. Another disappointing result there by Napoli. Frosinone nil Roma 3 where Huysen turned into Theo Hernandez, dribbled the entire team um, and struck from distance. Empoli 1, Fiorentina 1. You could say what a disappointing result for Fiorentina. But keep in mind, this is quite a fierce rivalry um, in Florence. They are the two teams of Florence. Um, and naturally, Empoli are under great momentum under their new, manage- under their new management. Torino 2, Lecce 0. Um, a red card for Lecce over there as well. It was Pongracic who, who got sent off. And Udinese 1, Cagliari 1 to end things off. <sighs> action-packed. This was an action-packed one. Quite yes, a few, and um, like high-scoring games here. Yeah, and and no no Monday night games, which was quite odd. I missed the Monday night game. Um, but it was it was Friday, Saturday, and and Sunday that the games took place. But let's start off with one of the Friday games. I believe this was uh, the the Friday night game. Inter for Salernitana nil. Inter were coming off an away 4-2 victory over Roma, while Salernitana were coming off a 3-1 home loss to Empoli, which saw Pippo Inzaghi sacked. The previous encounter was also a 4-0 win for Inter, but they were away from home naturally. Now, despite Inter being days away from a crucial Champions League fixture versus Atletico Madrid, squad rotation was kept to an absolute minimum in this match, with the exception of their wingbacks, as Darmian and DeMarco were rested and started versus Atletico. 
Salernitana were making their debut under the new manager Fabio Leverani, um, their third coach of the season facing a sheer baptism of fire. It was a 3-5-2 formation for Inzaghi's men, Sommer in goal on the backline of Bastoni, Devray and Pavard, Carlos Augusto on the left, Dumfries on the right and the midfield three of Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barella with Thuram and Lautaro Martinez up front. So a 3-4-2-1 formation for Liverani's men with Ochoa and Gold on the backline of Pasalides, Boateng and Pellegrino. Sambia on the right, Zanoli on the left and a double pivot of Koulibaly and Basic with Kandreva and Dia flanking Chuana. Now in the opening five minutes, Inter hit the post twice. <laughs> First, Thuram on a rebound following a great save by Ochoa on Bastoni. And second, Barella whacking the crossbar when clean through on goal following a miraculous pass by Bastoni. Turns out Ochoa got a fingertip to this, so two great saves by Ochoa as well in the opening five minutes. Hmm. In the 17th minute, Inter opened the scoring through Thuram. Augusto charged down the flank and provided a low cross to the unmarked Thuram who slotted in well. Great work by Augusto who regained his footing after a collision during his run, showing great strength. Um, and naturally, the, the, the way that he plays that ball, he... He's one of those that takes his time to look up and, and pick out a man. And Thuram, always so patient, also totally unmarked <laughs> over here. Just one minute later, Inter scored another goal. This time it was Lautaro Martinez who got his 20th goal this season. Um, they scored twice in a minute. Lautaro received the ball ahead of Salernitana's defensive line from a throw-in. Um, I think Salernitana forgot that there's no offside when it comes to throw-ins. Um, he held on to the ball well whilst awaiting assistance, but instead set himself up and curled the ball into the far corner from the edge of the area to make it 2-0. In the 39th minute, Dumfries made it 3. Barella's cross ricocheted off a defender and towards Ochoa, who spilled the ball. Dumfries, who started his first match since the 6th of January, pounced to tap in. In the 90th minute, just rubbing salt in the wounds over here, Arnautovic made it 4. Dumfries' deflected cross fell kindly to Arnautovic, who finished off without problem. Um, what I found weird about this is... Well, it worked out, but there was virtually... No squad rotation, just the wing backs. Mm. What is it? Because they run fucking the entire game and the rest of them are chilling. <laughs> they do a lot of work, these these fullbacks, um, depending on which side the ball is at. One of them drops deep, close mm. to the box. The other one advances and sprints to become the highest reference point in the team. Um, pretty much advancing further than the striker. It's usually um, Dumfries who makes that, that run. Yeah. Um, they do definitely work tirelessly and I think rotating the, the wingers is a very smart idea, especially when you have capable wingers like um, Carlos Augusto as your as your secondary choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Inter at the moment are playing like one of the best teams in the world. You can tell that they believe that they are one of the best teams in the world. Um, they're one of the best offensive sides in Italy and they're one of the best defensive sides in Italy as well. So mm-hmm. they're perfectly balanced. They can probably take on anyone in Europe. Um, I bet you there's a belief there that they can probably push for the Champions League as well. Yeah. yeah um, a friend of mine put a 100 euro bet, by the way, on Inter to win the Champions League. Um, the return would be 1,500 euros That's... from 100. So wow. yeah, that's that's pretty pretty. Betting companies are wild and out yeah. here. Sponsor the fuck out of us, what? Yeah, please, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. um, Inter have really stepped up, and along with Inter stepping up, Man Lautaro has stepped up as well, and he's really become 
Captain Fantastic at Interrogation. 20 years. goals this season, 5 against Salernitana. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quarter Like Salamakers, like, Salamaker like he only yeah. scores against Salernitana. Salerno man. Yeah. Um, yes, they've, they've hit a new level this season, Inter. And there isn't much anyone, to be honest, domestically can do to stop them at this point. Mm. I must say, though, when it comes to Salernitana, under Pippo, I'd never seen a performance like this. Under Pippo and Zaghi. Uh, now, in I, what I, sense? As in, even, even when Pippo played... They were horrible against Empoli. That's the problem. That's the problem because that was the worst display of them all. And it mm. came in the most important game. But against top sides like Juve, top sides like uh, Napoli, they put they put on a fight, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they put up a fucking fight. But relax, because um, this is... Yes, Liverani's yeah. first game and it's against fucking Inter, I know but, but it's uh, Liverani was always going to have a first one, game you know? you know you're just changing the coach constantly you know it just doesn't make any sense especially with their with their situation right now when when they were when the performances on the pitch were looking good with Pippo I think they should have just fucking said listen it will come together we've brought in these reinforcements Pippo's had one or two games with these new guys mm. why the hell are we sacking him the performances are good with Simi and Wanko up front and Bulaya Diawe at, at Afcon, you know, but the performances were still good. They were organized, they were compact, and they didn't get any points in that period beyond the 87th minute. It was always at the end that they, that they lost the games. Um, I, I think it was a, a very weird move to, to sack him. And then, especially to bring in Liveran, who's kind of like an offensive manager who deploys a 4 2 3 1. Like, good luck with that, man. Good luck I with mean, that. sure, bro, but at the end of the day, when they, when they had the David and Nicola Miracle, he was the third manager of the season. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like a do or die period. Now, I know it's not because the relegation battle is so tight, and I agree with you in a sense. Like, if you're playing a good brand of football with fucking Bulaedia up front... No, with Simeon Wankwo. Sorry, with, with, with fucking <laughs> yeah. Simeon Wankwo up front and Bulaedia away at AFCON, then clearly something is right. Um, now, the Empoli game is a bit of a, a, a tough one to judge Pippo on. Because they're on fire. They're not a bottom three team, Empoli, anymore under David and Nicola. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They look insane. So they were always kind of going to get the better out of Salernitana. But it's time to start getting three points. And I guess a more fearless style of football could get them more goals, which could result in, in more points. Um, so I guess that was their kind of mind frame with yeah. the with the sacking. Um, but it is harsh to be saying I've never seen Salernitana under Pippo Anzaghi playing that bad because it was Liverani's first game and it was against fucking Inter. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it is. It was his first game. It was against Inter. It's true. But the point the point does stand, bro. Like, like that was quite shambolic from Salernitana, man. They, they allowed Inter a lot of space. Mm. When they shouldn't have, and I think with with Pipot, through they were more compact. Now, obviously, yes, he had more time to to assert himself and more time to implement his system and to pass his, to transmit his philosophy through to the players. And we'll see what Liverani can do once he eventually manages to get his philosophy across. At the moment, as it stands, they're seven points away from safety, and it's it's not looking very good, man. Um, yeah. They also brought in two promising centre-backs, right? We've addressed Boateng, but I don't think we've actually mentioned that they've brought in Manolas. Oh, that's um, true. That's yeah. true. 
So the Greek god in Rome, guys. Maybe an offensive manager and then bringing in two centre back signings like that will offer a little bit of stability or a little bit of balance, rather. Mm. Or would it have made more sense to stick with the coach who had the team looking quite tight and organised and to give him two centre-backs who are of a better quality? Mm-hmm. Maybe that would have made more sense. Perhaps. I don't know. I, I just don't see the point. We've we've discussed this many times on the podcast. Why bring in Inzaghi if you're going to sack him a few games? And it's not like he's ever done anything in Serie A. He's a Serie B mm. coach, at, at least when it comes to the success he has found as a manager. It's always been in Serie B. He's a great coach for Serie mm-hmm. B. But in Serie A, it's never worked for him. We've seen no, it. We've seen him Benevento. with Benevento. We've seen him with Bologna. We've seen him with Milan. It never quite worked for him. So I don't know what the point was to hire him in the first place if they weren't going to give him mm. time. He's not going to hit the ground running because he never has hit the ground uh-huh. running in Serie A. You remember when, when Genoa signed Shevchenko, didn't score a single goal in like six games and then dropped him for Blessing. Yeah. And then they drew like six games in a row and got relegated anyway. I remember that. And then Blessin they kept Blessing. And then they kept Blessing in Serie B and he fell out with like all the players... One of them being Hamroon's goalkeeper, Marchetti. Um, Marchetti. He called him a small man on Instagram. He called him a small man. I love when Italians call people small man. You hey, know, man. It's one of the, hey, one of really... the hardest roasts. Uh-huh. And uh-huh, they brought in Gilardino and the rest is history. Exactly. The rest is fucking history, man. Um, just to go back a bit to Inter's lack of squad rotation in this, Duram got injured. Like, yeah. So I, I don't want to be out here praising Inzaghi for... In, like only changing the wingers because the wingers are the only ones that are running because they're not. Um, it could very much be a coincidence, but these are the kind of things that happen when you're in three competitions. Acerbi is now injured as well, and I believe Bastoni was doubtful for this game as well. Um, mm-hmm. Now the, the January transfer market has came and went. They made the reinforcements they felt were necessary, and they do have a very thick squad. But these things can happen when you're in so many competitions and with a thick squad I would ex- expect him to you know shuffle things a little bit especially okay. against fucking Salernitana like relax yeah yeah um, congratulations to Antonio Kandreva for taking Salernitana's only shot of the match um, even though it wasn't on target it was horrific <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a terrible terrible shot um, but I don't think there's too much to add about this game Thuram has also hit double figures now in his debut uh, Serie A season Fucking congratulations, dog. Well done. Um, Inter absolutely flying in first place on 63 points. You know, they're, they're now... I can't even do the maths on this anymore. They are nine They're nine points ahead of Juve with a game in hand, which is absolutely crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah. Salernitana, on the other hand, they have 13. So they're, you know, quite some distance away from Inter. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, seven points from safety. Speaking of Juve, um, they took on Hellas Verona away from home and they drew 2-2. Now, the lineup for Juventus featured a 3-5-2 formation with Szczesny in goal, Danilo, Rugani and Gatti at the back with Cambiazzo on the right, Kostic on the left, Rabiot, Locatelli and McKenny in the middle with Vlaovic and Yildiz up front. For Hellas Verona, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Montepo in goal, Chachua on the right, Cabal on the left, Davidovic and Maniani as a centre-back partnership with Duda and Daniel Silva in the middle. Lazovic was out on the left, Suslov out on the right, Folloran Shaw was in the middle playing behind Tiani Noslin. Now in the 11th minute, um, Hellas Verona took the lead with a thunderous volley wow. from Michael Folloran Shaw, which took our goal of the week, of course. Um, he exploited a weak clearance and put the ball into the top left corner. 
of Chesney's goal, um, and it was incredibly struck, man. Totally scripted that goal. Yeah, know? incredible. Yeah. Um, in the 28th minute, Juve managed to equalize from the penalty spot after Jackson Chachua accidentally blocked a Philip Kostic shot with his hand in the box. Vlaovic converted the penalty, making uh, marking the first away fixture for Juventus since September, where both teams have scored. Wow. Yeah. At halftime, the momentum shifted in favor of Hellas Verona, who quickly retook the lead thanks to Tiani Noslin, who scored his first goal um, with Udinese um, despite playing, I think, four games now. Um, it was uh, a very with sp- Verona. With Verona, sorry, yes. Mm. Um, two very similar teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had a very smart run. He made a very smart run. Uh, it was funny to see two players who were on the ball before it eventually fell to Noslin, both diving, trying to win a free kick. You know, I think that might have had a part, played a part with the goal because Chesney must have been like, one of those must be a foul. You know, yeah. so you're going to whistle for that. Boom, suddenly he's getting beaten at his near post. Um, yeah, he joined from a team called Fortuna Sittard. Oh my god, yeah, Noslin. Don't ask me where they're from. <sighs> In an instant response, Juve capitalized on defensive disarray as Rabio scored, leveling the score again after Locatelli's cross found him with plenty of time to pick out the bottom right corner. During the closing stages of the match, um, Juve kept pushing. Um, it was Chiesa who had two good opportunities to equalize the last one coming in the 91st minute when um, new boy Alcaraz, 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 yeah, Alcaraz, Alcaraz. Um, played him through. But uh, Montepo pulled off a brilliant one-on-one save. Um, and then I believe in the 96th minute, Alcaraz took a free kick himself but shot straight at the goalkeeper. And that was full time. Um yeah, Chesney this game, bro, just to show you how, how even this game was, Chesney had a season high record, seven saves wow. for himself, personal record, yeah. Wow. So Verona were actually all over them, man. And I'm so surprised by this Verona side, and I'm sure the listeners um, would would guess that I'm, I'm surprised too, because we've been talking about how Hellas Verona have just been selling everyone. It's a fire sale at Hellas Verona, but somehow, man, they're still a good side somehow they're still solid they're still organized baroni is doing god's work with yeah they're team. they're they're well run by yeah. their manager the, the manager knows how to get the best out of the 11 men that he places on the pitch and he knows how to play to their strengths um he's very fortunate that michael fuller took a an absolute turn for the better because he's mm. been a superstar grabbing a goal and an assist in this game um but you know he, he's got players like duda Playing fantastic football, like like Duda had such a clean performance in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, you know, it's not easy going up against three midfielders like McKenny, Locatelli, and Rabio. But Duda, to me, was one of the standout performers over there. He had a pass success rate of eighty-two percent. Um, he 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 got himself two tackles and even had a crack at goal at the point. But yeah, controlled that midfield for Verona. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, it was an all-round even performance, of course. Possession stats, of course. Juve leading ever so slightly in every de- department, 56% ball possession. Um, they had an XG of 1.47 compared to Hellas Verona's 0.66, for those of you who enjoy the XG philosophy. <laughs> I know many of our patrons don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four shots on target for Juventus, nine for Hellas Verona, with Chesney saving seven of them, man. Um, it was a it was a very tight game, a heated game. Uh-huh. You, I, you've, yeah. uh, they, they look shell shocked. You, man, let me tell you, I think that 
the reason Juve were pushing for the league and the reason why they were even in a position to challenge for it was because they believed. Mm. And if that squad believes, Allegri can do just enough to get the best out of them. Look, if that squad believes, that squad achieves. There we go. But they lost to Winter and it was almost like a reality check. Mm. They looked distraught after the game. And ever since, they they haven't really had that, that spirit and that, um, that determination and desire and belief mm. um, that they had earlier before that loss to Winter. I think they, they've almost given up on the league. Mm-hmm. I think they've realized we, we aren't good enough to win this and they haven't accepted how to go on with that. Ah, hey, it's like, it's like literally shell-shocked is, yeah. is, is a good word. And, and I don't think it was the result. That threw them off. But I think those 11 players being on the pitch with those other 11 players <laughs> and thinking, like, they're so far ahead of yeah. us. Like, we, we play the same sport. As we these can't guys. keep up with these guys. And I think it was more like the players were like, Jesus Christ, like, we are not, yeah. we are not fit to win this league. Absolutely, man. And Allegri needs his team to believe because that was like 90% of, of what Juve was about this season. Yeah. Um, All right, Ted Lasso. <laughs> most, of their, most of their goals came at the end of games. You know, um, they would concede after parking the bus. How many times we say this? Uh, Juve, Juve sat back, they concede, and then they scored again immediately after. That's mm-hmm. because they're hungry, they believe, they have the desire. Um, now it's, it's weird, man. I don't think Allegri can motivate these guys. And I think, to be honest... They're playing once a week and they're thinking to themselves, what's the point? Mm. Did you see there's some fucking, some billboard in New York or ah, something? Yes. Allegri out. out. Yeah. I mean, like, isn't that a bit of a waste of money, that's isn't he? That's what I was about to tell Because he's, he's off in summer. Yeah, so that's, like... that's a good idea. <laughs> if you want the manager of Turin-based Juventus out, put a billboard up in New York. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Yeah, now we'll put up a say a spotlight poster in the Philippines, bro. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our listeners from the Philippines. I don't, yes, think, I don't think we have any. Actually. I don't know. I don't know. We'll need to check. Yeah, we'll we have to check, check that out. I'm sure there's one homie in the Philippines. Yeah. One interesting thing I found. One thing I found interesting about Hellas Verona's approach was that Darko Lazovic is often isolated and very pushed up. And the other flank play very, very closely together and they almost seem to look to him as an outlet. Kind of like the same mm. thing Inter do with Dumfries, but it's always Lazovic. And Lazovic mm. is the, always the, the furthest player. Uh-huh. So Lazovic is always kept in heaps of space. Exactly. Basically. He's always trying to stretch the game. Always, mm. always. Um, and I was looking at Juve's heat map as well and I noticed that Rabiot took the most advanced position of them all, even more advanced than um, Vlaovic for the Whoa. entire game. Yeah. Um, just goes to show, right? Yeah. Uh, a little bit weird there. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if there's if there's much else to say about this game. Juve got close. At the end, the bench thought that Chiesa had scored when he came yeah. one-on-one with um, with, <laughs> with the goalkeeper, with Montepo. Um, you can see from the replay, um, they started running onto the pitch and then they realized Montepo saved and they like instantly everyone touches their head. Yeah. Which is, yeah, um, quite a comical sight, to be honest. Chiesa, flop of the season so far. Chiesa um, works so hard. He works so bloody hard and it's just not working for him. And No. It's, it might be a combination of many different things, man. Is he ever fully fit? Is he... It's a question of, is he ever going to live up to this fucking crazy potential? Because season after season, 
he's showing us 30% of what he's capable of because he is glass, because he is never fully, fully fit and running this team. It's mm-hmm. always like the first three games of the season. He's the one charging forward, creating chances. And then, you know, he gets a bit of a knock and then Allegri keeps him out for, for another two games and he starts bringing him on and he starts starting someone else. It's always the same cycle with Chiesa's career at Juventus, unfortunately. Yeah, and he's 26 nowadays, man. So he doesn't really have that much time as an explosive winger, winger to, like, you know, cement himself in this yeah. Juve team as a starter. I mean... His play style, as we've mentioned many times over here, warrants many injuries, many challenges, many um, many hard tackles as well. Mm-hmm. Hard, painful tackles. And yeah, we, we've as we've addressed, something's going to have to change, man. Mm. We're, we're going to need to create a petition. This is what I want to do with Chiesa. Mm-hmm. Start a petition to preserve him and just let him play for the national team every two years. Only. So that he's fit for every Euros and that he's fit for every World Cup. Because on the international stage, the guy is insane. He's yeah. insane for Italy. Unfortunately, same can't be said for his club career. Yeah, and um, at the moment, you know, there are many Italians who are doing quite well. Yeah. Especially on the wing. So his position as starting place isn't even guaranteed for the Italian national team as it stands, man. Chiesa. But I, I, I'm also curious to see what he would look like under a different coach. Yeah? Because he remember, let's remember he's playing Allegri ball here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe under a, a more you know positive manager, he he might... Imagine him under a desert. He might have more, more support. Because right now, a lot of the things he tries to do, he's in isolation attempting them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, Juve are currently second because Milan choked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they couldn't overtake them despite them dropping points. They're on 54 points, while Hellas Verona have momentarily climbed out of the relegation pool and are in 17th spot with 20 points. Below them, Sassuolo also on 20 points. Madonna. Sassuolo have fallen into the relegation pool. Madonna. Granted, they do have a game in hand. Madonna. So we'll see. Jesus, as if they're gonna win their game. It's against one of the beasts, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> one of the monsters. I think it might be tomorrow. I think their game in hand might be tomorrow. I'm just pulling that up very quickly because I saw Seiya tomorrow. Oh my Seiya, god! no, there's Torino Lazio tomorrow. Torino Lazio, Torino Lazio tomorrow. tomorrow. That's, That's very, cool. very nice. Very nice. And um, the next game, Monza four, Milan two. This was Milan's opportunity to overtake Juve. It was clearly stated. By, the, by Pioli that this was Milan's goal it's to jump Juve and get as close as possible to Inter however obviously that didn't work Monza were coming off a nil-nil home draw to Verona whilst Milan were coming off a one-nil win versus Napoli and a Thursday night three-nil trashing of Rennes and the previous encounter was a three-nil victory for Milan this had a Milan victory written all fucking over it coming off a Two clean sheets, a win over Napoli, a win against Rennes, winning the previous encounter 3-0. Monza coming off a fucking home draw to Verona. This had a Milan win literally written all over it. Now, they knew a win would allow them to leapfrog Juve into second, but they made six changes to their starting 11 because it's never like, you know, medium rare. Uh, with Pioli, it's either all out or, or nothing. Um, naturally, they made these changes with the midweek Europa League clash in mind. 
This included the return of Malik Chow after pulling his hamstring on November 28th. Um, Calabria, Tomori, Kalulu and Pobega were out of action while the host missed Churia, Caprari and Vignato. Starting 11s, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation for Monza, Di Gregorio in goal not for long with a backline of Carboni, Mari and Itzo, Mota out on the left, Brindelli out on the right and a midfield two of Gagliardini and Pessina with Carboni and Colpani flanking the formidable Juric. For Milan, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Mike Magnan in goal, Florenzi out on the right, Teo Hernandez out on the left with Gabbia and Chao as the back two. Benasser and Adli were in the double pivot with Chukweze, Loftus-Cheek and Okafor playing behind Jovic. So off, off the bat, off the bat, let me just start the conversation here. What do you make of the lineup by Milan? Fair enough, that's what I make of the lineup. I think that, um, okay, so Juve drop points and Milan are in a position to overtake them. Inter's lead is still healthy, but you have to believe. These are the players that the management has given purely to use and to utilize. They have all been unavailable for different reasons, to be honest. Jovic started off the season terribly. Chukweze mm-hmm. couldn't dribble a bloody, I don't know, Maracone, like at the beginning of the mm. <laughs> at the beginning of the season. And then he went off to Afcon, made it all the way to the final and came back and he still can't seem to to mm. get going. Okafor has scored goals, but when it comes to his wing play, it hasn't been consistent enough and he's also struggled with injuries. Mm-hmm. You know? Chao has been out, but if you're gonna bring Chao back into a game and to give Chao a game to get to his so. to get his form back, this is the game, you know, to get mm-hmm. his match fitness up. So I think you know these are the men Pioli has at hand. Pioli wanted to go out in the second leg against Rennes with the strongest possible starting eleven. And fair enough, you rotate. These players are meant to be our depth options, you know. I disagree. That. You disagree? Yes. Tell me. So you think you should have gone full squad no, the rest no, of the No, no, relax. I didn't want him to go full squad and, and let everyone get injured. But if in the game against Ren or Ren or Stimpy or yeah. the fucking <laughs> order, all right? Drop Giroud from that game. Start Jovic, yeah. for example. That gives you the opportunity that in the game against Monza, Chukweze and Okafor actually have a familiar outlet that is going to help them link up play and give the team some element of familiarity because I don't think I've ever seen Chukweze, Jovic and Okafor start a game together aside from this game. You're just putting, in, in a, not, not a do or die game, I don't want to be dramatic, but you're putting these guys together for the first time and saying, because you're the players I have, you're th- this 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 is squad rotation, you know, just drop and plug and play, plug and play. But it's not as simple as that. You don't just put three forward players together for the first time and expect a win. I don't know. I think these guys have been here for long enough um, to, to have put season. in. Uh, yes, but the season, it's been a while. Think about it. these guys are training together every single day, man. And if, if it comes to a point where you're beyond match day 20 and, and you can't feel them together because they don't know each other then I, I'm not quite sure when they're going to know each if, other but if purely for 8 games or whatever it was in a row let's say 6 so I don't exaggerate for 6 games in a row fielded the exact mm. win, lose or draw fielded the exact same starting 11 with 0 changes made Milan suddenly are a win 
away from overtaking Juve. He makes six changes, and it's not strategic changes. It's let's take this first team and and, and put them all in one basket against Ren. Okay, they were beating Ren, they, they, they made the changes, then they came into this. It's like, and at the totally new faces in the team the, the with, with is, no familiarity whatsoever. The thing is, it would have all gone to plan probably for Pioli. Because when he brought in his boys in the second half, they changed this round. The problem was that one of the boys who fucking started in Luka Jovic, got sent off for yeah. for lashing out wait because we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into but that but that's that's a massive point that, that's a big part of the game because if but they, they were 2-0 down already yes, they were 2-0 down but then, before but then, half but then with 10 men with 10 men in the second half they managed to equalize to get yes. them 2-2 you don't think that maybe with 11 men and, and a proper striker on the pitch that they would have won this game they might have they, they, there was a good chance of doing so purely had no um, control over Chao's mistakes You know, Chao was the one rotation piece I think that no one could argue with Because Kier has looked terrible mm. Lately, mm. we saw last game We're like, Jesus Christ, that attempt of attack along Gvaratskele was embarrassing Hilarious. And you bring in Chao, of course who, who we all know what his standard is We mm. all know that he has been very good for Milan This was a game to throw him in it's a, He let him down, you know, there's there's not much else to say. I don't know if the approach was wrong from the get-go. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I, I, to, to be honest, I find it hard to believe that, that this isn't talked about enough. The way, Like, sure, the players let him down. Yes, there were multiple individual errors. Ciao, Jovic, like, both of them, to be honest, deserve, deserve a rating of, of mm. negative three. Oh, Adli was terrible as well. Ad- he really Adli, didn't step up, man. Adli was shit as well. But the thing is, Milan couldn't rely on any familiar faces. Why? Because, one second, Pioli is making zero changes to the starting 11 for eight games in a row, or what, whatever the fuck the number is. And then all of a sudden, six changes. Whoa. Yes, but, but Pioli, Pioli has given Milan... At, at the end of the day, what was the objective for Milan this season? I guess qualify for Champions qualify League. But I think, going, League I, I think going into the season, Milan would have expected more. Maybe. With the but new players to their arsenal. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But um, the, the main objective, the most important thing was top four. And Pioli put Milan in a position where they had a comfortable gap between them and the team in fifth place by fielding that exact same 11 Mm. eight times in a row without rotating without any nonsense he just played the best 11 in a row that he had available and he took the team on a good run and suddenly they found themselves in a position with a bit of breathing room the Europa League clash came that's a trophy that Milan are serious contenders for they're one of the favorites in the tournament so he gave the supporting cast a tryout they didn't deliver. He tried to fix it, to co- correct it by bringing on the big boys, but one of his starters let him down. And I think it's as simple as that, this game. I think I, I don't know if it was a problem with approach. I think the players literally let everyone down this game. I think it's a bit of both. Don't forget that Milan were down 2-0. They were down 2-0 before, before the second half yes. and before Jovic got, got the, got the red card. Why were they down to net? It was individual errors, sure, but did you see Milan going forward in the first half? Yes, but but again, what I saw was Adli not be connecting his passes properly, Jovic invisible, Chukweze 
had I think one moment where he attempted to to like charge down the right side and didn't really do much. Do you Back not nail that down to unfamiliarity though? Because that, that's that's what I nail it down to. Yeah, maybe I just think that um, it, it's just they're they're not too standard at the moment. Look, the players days. the players definitely definitely let purely down. This could have been. An, an all right risk to take mm. had the players performed better 100% but I am concerned it, it's not because Milan failed to overtake Juve but what's going to happen Milan advanced to the quarterfinals to the semifinals whatever is this going to be the system are they going to be two completely separate squads that are competing in two completely separate competitions it needs to be a bit more sustainable it needs to be sure let's start Leao and Pulisic in, in, in Europe let's put Jovic between them let's save Giroud's legs for this so for this far, game because top four is important Jovic hasn't had a good performance as a striker this season start, as a starter sorry this as, season. that's true that's not, true. not a single sad. the last time he started a game I believe was against Atalanta in the cup and he was atrocious mm. He's he's only found success coming off the bench at the moment. So I don't know if it would be wise to go into a European fixture with him as a striker, even though now Jovic has forced Pioli's hand so because you go he's going to s- have to start the next game. Exactly. Because you're going to have to rest Giroud. You have this guy unavailable for two two games. You start Jovic, right? Mm. <laughs> but you're saying Jovic is a shit starter, so just... But this is the hand... Throw this- him throw him <laughs> into the starting 11 in this a Serie A game. Ah, okay, in a Serie A game, yes, because this was the game where he could find his footing. Monza, not Ren, Ren or Ren, Ren, Stimpy. <laughs> this is the level where you get him to hit the ground running as a starter. Jovic was very impressive with uh, Fiorentina in Europe last year, and I think just because he hasn't had a good performance as a starter doesn't mean he's ever going to have a good performance as a starter. Let's get into the play-by-play so that people know the actual fuck we're talking about. In the 30th minute, Juric almost scored a fantastic header to open the scoring. It was a header from distance, um, but it hit the outside of the post. Moments later, there was a horrific collision between Di Gregorio and Andrea Carboni as the keeper dove out to intercept a cross and collided into the defender. The collision, the collision left Di Gregorio completely delirious and totally dizzy and with a huge black eye. He was replaced by Sorrentino after a very lengthy stoppage. This was horrible news for Monza and at the time, fantastic news for Milan. However, did you see the picture of, of Di Gregorio? The, bro, he, the day after? He, he honestly looks like he got in the ring against Francis Ngannou, like, bro. <laughs> it, it was really brave the way he got brave. out as well. It, it wasn't, so it wasn't even the first, the, yeah. the, I, the first knock he got in this game. And cheeky Teo just ducking out of the way as like, two of their players collide. Teo could have gotten it terribly, <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Terribly he could have gotten because he was between them, but he ducked. I love Teo so much. Um, in the 44th minute, and then just before halftime, um, Pessina, obviously, that, that is the first X that scored against Milan in this game. From the penalty spot, he sent Manian the wrong way. Um, the penalty was awarded after two very reckless and clumsy challenges in under five seconds by Malik Chow. First, he brought down Juric just outside the area with a horribly timed tackle and then sprinted directly to Danny Mota and clarted into him inside the area, and he gave away a penalty. Honestly, it was a moment of absolute madness for Malik Chow, and Pessina actually stepped up, no problem whatsoever. Obviously, there were eight minutes of added time because of what happened to Di Gregorio, and in the fucking, what was it, in the 50th minute, um, Danny Mota scored, um, 
Monza knocked the ball forward, which was mis- firstly misjudged by Ben Nasser. He failed to deal with it. Colpani collected it, and he nutmegged Chow, just like Chow, Chow, Chow. Um, played the ball to Mota, who set himself up and curled the ball into the far corner. I'm not going to go so far as to say that this was also Chow's fault because he got nutmegged, but roasted, he got nutmegged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. he, he, he wasn't patient in defending over there. And once they bypassed him, that was a 1v1 situation between Florenzi and Danny Mota, an on-form Danny Mota. And Danny Mota, you never know if he's going to go right or left. He's cut inside, he's cut on the outside, you know, he's taken it to the byline and he can shoot with both his right mm. and his left in those situations. So Florenzi um, was... It, it it was justifiable that he was confused mm. in that situation because honestly, if, if he would have gone to cut, to block the the cut in shot, he would have just gone around exactly and, and, and exactly slotted it past. Yeah, just one thing I want to congratulate Danny Mota honestly because if his goal is to make every Milan fans blood boil and get so angry they don't know what to do with themselves with that celebration, good job, bro, good job because. When I'm devastated, the worst thing you can do to me is look me in the eyes and go, nah, 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 and stick your tongue out at me. I was going mad, bro. Mad I was going. But anyway, so Milan have their team talking up you all. He's like, fuck, guys, come on. We need to go out there and fucking get them. They're like, yeah. So in the 51st minute, Jovic went out and fucking punched Itzo in the face. Um, a VAR check turned a yellow card into a red card. She was spotted, not punching him, but he maliciously swung his palm mm. into the face of Itzo. It was very, he, he very clear. Right, he he made fingertip contact with it. So he swung. He He's, swung. No, he definitely swung. It was definitely malicious. a red card. It's violent conduct, but yes. he didn't, he didn't no. connect with him um, properly. At least I uh-huh. kind of wish he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and let's talk about the provocation before. Ah, because well, because Mari was provoking him before. He he pushed him. Mm. Mari pushed Jovic. Jovic swung at Itzo, but it was Mari who pushed him. Oh, my God. That was like the whole incident of me at, at Chizik, if you remember. There's an incident <laughs> joke between me and Matthew. I, I can't say it here. No. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know if maybe it would have been fair to take the whole situation into into account. But, you know, you, you're well within your rights to shove a player, but swiping at someone's face or trying to slap it's or punch dumb. someone, that's, it's that's just violent conduct. It's, it's malicious, it's stupid. And Jovic was... There are so many words I can't use on this podcast to describe <laughs> how stupid it is what, what, what Jovic did over there and yeah. how he let his teammates down. Um, from hero to zero, to say the least. From zero to hero to zero. Yeah, from zero to hero, back to zero. And it's going to take a lot to get back to... No, tomorrow night, hero again, bro. Come on, Jovic. Um, 64th minute, Milan um, got one back through Giroud. This was when, you know, Giroud came on, Leao came on, Pulisic came on. Because that's the thing, no fixing the, the, the initial... Like, it's it's when Milan need a win, they just bring these three guys on. Um, it was a Florenzi cross that was flicked on by Pulisic to Giroud, um, who scored after extending well and finishing into the far corner. Um, Milan kept the momentum up. They were constantly chasing that equaliser. And in the 87th minute, 10-man Milan actually managed to get an equaliser through an exquisite 
Pulis a goal as he cut inside the area. Fucking 10 men in the box defending. He cut inside the area and curled the ball into the top corner brilliantly. Excellent goal. And it was one thing that, that, that maybe goes under the radar. What a fucking tight angle it yeah, was yeah, from. Yeah. It was very, very tight. And But the way he curled it around, mm, Chef's kiss and Pulisic was the best player on the pitch. Ah, that, that's that's what I, I was going to say. Um, when you saw the personnel that Milan brought on, you see the likes of Leao, Juru and Pulisic. You see, you're like, okay, our best Milan's best players. It's are like the on. Avengers. Yeah, Leao was on. Leao was on the highest turner, the star of the team. Leao didn't shoulder the responsibility that he had to shoulder this game. Um, Grant was against a low block, and we know that goes against all his strength. Mm. But Pulisic, man, really put on a display this game, and he really showed that he's the main man for his uh, national exactly team. Exactly what he I was, was going to say. He was the main man for Dortmund for a while, and he was even the main man for Chelsea at, yeah. at, at a point in his career. Um, he's used to to shouldering the responsibility, and Leao, quite frankly. Maybe might not be it. Yeah, no, Pulisic is a huge character. He's a huge character. Mm. I mean, what he does for, for the US with that captain's armband, we all know, right? The, the US, they're improving when it comes to football. Mm. Um, but Pulisic is the key player in that team. And the amount of times he has bailed them out single fucking handedly. And this is exactly what he was doing for Milan in this game. Even the, the Giroud goal, that flick on was yeah, perfect. Yeah. And he was calling for it. He orchestrated that. He played the ball to the wing, ran to the box. He's like, hey, hey, play, play it here, play it here man. Play it here, bro. And he Pass me the goddamn soccer ball. Yeah. So what happens? Milan get the equalizer. The commentator is like, will they go for the win? Will they go for the win? Pulisic is, is holding the ball, telling everyone, look, calm down. I'm seeing you all riled up. Relax. We got the equalizer. Let's fucking keep it or whatever. Two minutes later, Milan are fucking attacking. They're attacking to try to get the win because momentum favors Milan. Ten man Milan. And Bondo scores. <laughs> Milan this is what I wrote. Milan carelessly searched forward to find a winner. Daniel Maldini loaned out from Milan to Monza, broke forward, laid the ball off to Bondo, who struck the ball into the top corner from just outside the area. What a hit by Bondo. And there you go. An assist by Daniel Maldini, owned by Milan, um, to make matters worse. But 89th minute, Monza regained their victory 3-2. So shortly lived that Milan hoped. 95th minute as if as as if the heartbreak as if the fucking heartbreak wasn't enough Milan fought back 10 man Milan fought back to make it 2-2 went for the winner Daniel Maldini assisted Bondo and Milan fall behind 95th minute Monza within a 5v3 situation Pessina on the ball Plays it to Colombo. Colombo. Loaned out from Milan to Monza. Who beat Manian at his near post. Yeah, man. Shoot me in the fucking dick. <laughs> Pessina. Now, Pessina's not. He played with Milan once upon a time in a piece of cherry wood. Uh-huh. Um, but Daniel Maldini with the assist. Owned by Milan. Colombo with the goal, owned by Milan. This was, as a Milan fan, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm wearing it at the forefront of my personality over here, but this one, this one was fucking crazy, bro. This one was, 
only Milan can go through something yeah, like they, that in this league. Only Milan. The best part is Monza under history had never beaten Milan. That's another thing as well, obviously. That this is so the perfect type of game. It had everything, man. It had absolutely everything. It had the, my favorite part of this game was going from oh my god, we're not gonna get anything to oh my god, we've equalized. We can potentially get three points. So, oh my God, please, let's get one point. And then yeah. to, to shit our children. And then it's, oh my God, please stop fucking me. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, everyone stop fucking me, please. <laughs> um, let, let's just start off. Um, Malik Chow returned. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, He's he was enough. absolutely dreadful, bro. Gave away the penalty and... and Thing is, anyone can give away a penalty by accident. Virgil van Dijk, Maldini, the greats have given away penalties. But the challenges, you, you saw them. You yeah, saw so them. The first one on Jurich, horrible. And everyone was like, hey! <laughs> he got away and with he it. fucking clarted. He clarted into, I believe it was Mota. Uh, the, the problem with Chao, the, the most concerning part, is that physically he was up for it. Physically, mm. he looked brighter. He looked better than ever. But Ringrass, you know, though. he exactly he he was even even the recovery to go from Jurich to Danny Mota, if it was mm-hmm. Danny Mota, as, yes, the, as the as the last man. That that, that rec- the way he covered that ground mm-hmm. was was impressive. You know, he's he's in great shape. But mentally, man, or mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a lot of Ringrass, man, mentally. Yeah, because he was always a step behind. He looked lost, man. He yeah, um, Gabia. Looked so much better than him. He Absolutely. So, so like a mature head man. And let's not forget, by the way, bro, Gabia. Um, I just need to say this before I forget because I don't have this written anywhere. Um, at one point, Leao got the ball and he tried to just like kind of like touch it ever so slightly so it moves slightly in front of him and the player gets it. But obviously his teammate wasn't expecting it and it, it was nicked they nicked the mm-hmm. ball Monza, and they advanced and Gabia was forced to kick the man remember he kicked the yeah. player in the knee yeah 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 um, the camera pans to Gabia who's getting a yellow card and he says superficiale cazzo mm. to, to Leo which means yeah. like a super superficial, superficial dick. dick you know <laughs> like fuck or fucking superficial would be the yeah. most uh, the most accurate translation uh-huh. Um, when you have the 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 leader of the team like Leao, like I said, he's meant to be the leader. He's meant to be the best player. And then you have a player who was sent out on loan to Villarreal and only recalled because there's an emergency, and he's shouting and telling him off because of his immature decision. That's very telling. That's yeah, all I, that's all I want to say. Yeah, I, I I think so. And I think that was when, um, I believe, Milan had already equalized, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 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 yes. Milan had already equalized when that happened. Mm-hmm. And it was care display by by Leao, and obviously he he wasn't the only one. Let's be let's be real. But but you're absolutely right. Gabi has come in. He was forced to become a veteran of this team, which he is because he's been with Milan since he was like what three and a half, bro. He's been <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Milan since so three and a half. This guy. Um, <laughs> So so yeah, he, he was he was loaned out to Villarreal because he's nowhere on the level. At least they thought of of uh, Kier, Tomori, Kalulu, and and Co. Um, but he's come in, and and he's become a veteran. He's become a leader, and he's yeah, really showing absolutely. what he's all about. Yeah. He didn't bug me in this game either, man. No, at all. Um, Jovic, what an absolute twat! Yeah. Um, Alan made me laugh. Um, ah. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I 
I'm gonna re- I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna read it. I don't know if um, how long it will take me, but bear with me, please. Ah, uh-huh, it was <laughs> rage typing to say the least. Well, they give me a keyword. Let me search for it. He said something face. I think he said face at one point. I'm qu- I'm quite sure he wants to do something to his face. <laughs> yes, Alan. When it happened, when when Jovic got the red, I fucking hate the sport. Fucking idiot. I don't want to see that stupid face of his ever again. Murphy's Law. Fuck everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man. That was yeah. just too good. Yeah, it, was a, it was a tough one to digest by Milan, but I think that there is one thing people take, footballers take for granted when they get a big move, when they represent clubs, is that footballing ability and performances is a massive part to how you are welcomed at a club um, and it, it dictates your status at a club. But then there's something, and, 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 and I would consider this to be as high as 30%, as being a representative, especially for clubs like Milan, um, a representative of a historic... What's the word? Massive entity mm-hmm. of, a, of a football team. To wear that shirt, you have to ensure tip-top professionality the entire time. Yes, tip-top sportsmanship, discipline, and this is the bare minimum that can be provided. Now you're 2-0 down. You're on the pitch as the striker, as the guy who's supposed to get the goals, and you've already shown that you can do it. And you go ahead and lose your head like that? Because some tall, handsome guy... Oh, by the way, Milan were running rings around Mari. Particularly Pulisic when he came on. Rings he was running around yeah, Mari. Yeah. He is nothing special. Because Mari hurt your feelings. You're going to slap it so on the face. which is a weird thing to do, by the way. Yeah. But, but he, yeah. um, he gave him exactly what he wanted. That, that's what, that's what, I, what I find so idiotic about this. It's like Jovic is in a position... That, this guy grew up playing football in, in, in Serbia. Yeah. In Serbia. Yeah. God knows the provocation he dealt with coming up in the lower le- mm-hmm. leagues or whatever at youth level in, in Serbia, you know, because he he's probably many hard men over there. He, he's probably got a lot of shithousery up his sleeve yeah. as well, Jovic. The, the thing is, Mari obviously wanted only one thing from this incident. He wanted to get Jovic. He wanted a reaction out of Jovic to get a yellow card, hopefully a red. You know, if, if he's dumb enough to react, he'll get a red. If he's dumb enough to react properly, you know, like like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> how he wishes to react. Yeah. And uh, Luka Jovic gave it to him. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. So we know where Milan fell short. Yes. We discussed that. Um just one more thing is that Milan have received six red cards this season, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Six red cards. It is. Um, so, so it's definitely a coaching problem, I think, that. Yeah. Because you, you need to have harsher... A harsh, harsher either um, philosophy when it comes... Like a, like a straight-up philosophy when it comes to red cards. Like, like only get them if, if absolutely necessary. You yeah. know, and like... Fines if they're if they're stupid something mm-hmm. put something in place stop your fucking players from getting red cards man because yeah. it's it's become ridiculous six red cards in a season so every four games Milan get a red card which which lost yeah. Milan the game and obviously that that goes under the radar yeah. um, enough about Milan Monza did a spectacular job at capitalizing from mm-hmm. these errors yeah. and 
Mons are great at counter-attacking football. They could really attack fluidly. They go from defense into attack in a matter of seconds. Okay, they haven't consistently shown it. But for a team like Milan, who hold on to possession so much and attack so much, Monza really managed to use this to their advantage. Mm -hmm. So they were winning the ball. They were counter-attacking. They were charging forward. And I think they did that flawlessly. Mm -hmm. They were defending in numbers. I don't think they defended particularly insanely. It's not like they were impenetrable but obviously they got a they got a helping hand maybe from the starting 11 and from the from the early and, and from the sending off naturally but what did you make of Monza in this game no good job to Monza they they showed up they really took advantage of the fact that Milan didn't get going in the first half and not only did they score but they scored twice and they managed to create a, a nice advantage for themselves they they were very street smart street smart to force a reaction off of Jovic. They dealt with the fact that Di Gregorio, a vital piece of their system, went off injured and they somehow managed to to survive. You know, granted yeah. Sorrentino came on and conceded two goals, but once again they reacted well. I don't think their approach of trying to defend the Tunnel lead worked out, and I think they could have regretted that because they could have definitely pushed and tried to cause a few more problems for Milan, but it all worked out well for them in the end. And I think that this is a, a nice team um, with a good coach. Yeah. Uh, the youngest coach in Serie A as well, mm-hmm. but he's 39 years old. That's fucking... That's fucking young. He's 39 years old, and I think he's the only one that wears a full suit. Well, him and, him and Simone. They for Milan. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, you know, by the way, um, Milan played against Ren, right? Yeah. Did you notice who Ren had in goal? Ren had Steve Mandanda in Ah, yes, we spoke about this. I'm like, how is he not 50 yet? He's 38 years old. How is he 38 if he's been 40 for 10 years? Giroud scored his first professional goal against Mandanda. They played against each other a few days ago. (laughs) That's crazy. Wow, what a a sweet reunion. Sweet reunion for the the Mm -hmm. veterans. Yeah. Um, that was Milan's first loss of 2024. However, they maintain third place at least um, on 52 points. They are two points behind Juve, um, whilst Monza in 11th place on 33 points. Um, yeah, and they're on decent form now. They are unbeaten in their last four after losing two on the trot before that. Yeah, we should have left the Milan game till the end, man. I'm, I'm riled up. Yeah. I'm in a bad mood. I'm man. in a bad mood. Atalanta 3, Sassuolo 0. Skip. <laughs> Skip. Atalanta good, Sassuolo bad. Next. <laughs> Karnasecki was in goal for Atalanta with Scalvini, Jim City, and Kolasinac at the back in their 3 4 1 2 formation. Emil Holm was out on the right. Davide Zappacosta on the left. Ederson and Pasalic were in the middle with Coop Miners playing behind Miranchuk and Deke Talare. For Sassuolo, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Andrea Consigli in goal, Josh Doig as the left-back, Marcus Peterson as the right-back, Viti and Ruan as a centre-back duo with Henrique and Lepani playing in midfield, um, Lauriente and Bayrami playing on the flanks with Penamonti starting up front and Thorsvet playing behind them. Now Atalanta continued their impressive form, securing a sixth consecutive league victory and strengthening their pursuit for top four. Uh, Roma are on their ass, but they're definitely looking like favourites right now, Atalanta, for Absolutely. that top four spot. With, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, Sassuolo, on the other hand, faced yet another setback, um, extending their winless streak to five games. Congratulations. <laughs> 
<laughs> Midway through the first half, Atalanta seized the lead when Mario Pasalic capitalized on a spill by Sassuolo goalkeeper Andrea Consigli. How unlike him, how weird. Yeah. Putting the Nerazzurri <laughs> firmly in control. Despite Sassuolo's attempt to equalize with Matheus Ma- Henriquez deflected shot hitting the crossbar, Atalanta maintained their advantage. Okay, so Atalanta pretty much had it all figured out from the get-go. Just before halftime, Sassuolo had a golden opportunity to level the score after a handball by Giorgio Scalvini. Um, this was literally at the end of the first half and the referee was about to whistle, to blow the final. Yep. He had the, the whistle in his mouth and everything. But um, he went to the VAR monitor and he gave a penalty. Now, the first penalty, Pinamonti stepped up. Carnesecchi, no, Pinamonti went right. Carnesecchi went right and saved it. Kolasinac ran to the ball and cleared it, but it turned out Kolasinac had encroached. Um, he had entered the area um, too early. And a retake was given. Penomonti stepped up again and now there's the whole psychological battle. I've gone right and he went right and he saved it. Should I go right again? Should I go left? Should I go down the middle? He went kind of central left. Yeah. Central left. Yeah, he would have tried to go left. Yeah. And Karnaseki read him like a book again and <laughs> saved it again. How absolutely humiliating and devastating for Penamonte, but what a rush for Karnaseki. How incredible. Jump. By Karnaseki. Incredible by Karnaseki. For, for me, the, how old is he? 22 years old? Karnaseki. I believe. Karnaseki is 23 years old. Yeah. And obviously, he's a physical freak of nature and he's a good shot stopper. Maybe his distribution and the way he controls his area as a young goalkeeper still needs a certain element of work. But clearly, man, one of the most important things for a goalkeeper is that mentally you can read your opponent and you're cool, calm and collected under pressure. Now, I know there's more pressure on the shoulders of the person stepping up to take the penalties. Um, penalty shootouts and penalties in general aren't too bad for goalkeepers in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but Karnaseke to stop two penalties in a row like that, amazing. He read him like a book, man. Yeah, if his nickname was Magic, he'd be asking for 8 million a season. <laughs> in the second half, Atalanta extended their lead as Coop Miners scored their second with a first-time finish into the top corner. Demoralizing Sassuolo even further, substitute Michel Bakker sealed the victory in the 75th minute with a heavily deflected effort from outside the box, just a minute after coming off, and it deflected off Marcus Peterson, by the way, because mm. uh, I wrote down Sassuolo 3 over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, plain sailing for Atalanta, um, had that penalty gone in, I'm sure they would have recovered in the second half, because as it stands right now, they've got so much firepower, Atalanta. Um, this goalkeeper is a freak. We've been following him for a while. We even yes. posted a TikTok video of him with the song Fly Like an Eagle playing in the yeah. background when he was playing in Serie B. Yeah. Um, he's a very, very good talent. When, when he... <laughs> you remember the, the Meet the Boys episode meet where it boys. was like, Meet the Boys. <laughs> with the Leviolet, dude. And the, the front, the, the, the cover... Of the artwork, this was the first episode of season two, the the throwback. Um, It was him with a shirt open, (laughs) sitting down, posing like it it was like like all oiled up. (laughs) Season two, episode one, meet the boys. (laughs) And a really sus photo of Cardiseki, insane. Yeah. Um, 
Concilier, man. How is he still playing? Eh? He's, he's a good <laughs> shot stopper. He's a good shot stopper, Concilier. Don't get me wrong. And even this game, he managed to pull off a save that made the highlights of the best saves of the week. Yeah, it was okay. It, it was, was okay. okay. It was one it of those okay. where he, he it, dropped it was, down and he cleared it with his foot. It was a Buffon at Parma save. Yeah. <laughs> There's a category of those saves. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, absolutely. Um, he pulls off, but he does make these, these saves. He's not a bad shot stopper. He's had some good showings he this is, season. Error prone, man, and and he's blunder prone, not mm-hmm. just error prone, blunder prone. Fits in, yeah, he fits Sassuolo's system perfectly because apparently that's something they prioritize. Mm. Um, Cranio is there on the bench. God knows what's been going on with Cranio because the last time we saw him, so he was a regular at Cagliari, rated as one of the best goalkeepers in the league. He went to Monza. Couldn't get a sniff because of the Gregorio. Understandable. Understandable. Eventually got a sniff, conceded three, looked weird, never featured again. Came to Sassuolo and now we're saying, okay, Cranio's definitely going to play at Sassuolo because Consili is washed, right? Yeah, He's they're not just going to get Cranio, yeah. like exactly. just get Cranio, you know. A, a, a good name, a well-known goalkeeper in Italy. But again, he hasn't had a sniff, man. And, and Consili continues to wreak havoc in goal. Yes. Yeah. Cranio's 29 years old. He is missing the prime time of his career, man, this guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Do you think... That... Okay, let's play a game, bro, right now. If Sassuolo got relegated, who would leave? Who would leave? Actually, who... Okay, who would leave? Yes, who would definitely leave? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone would leave. Everyone except Ruan. <laughs> I, th- I think Ruan would leave. I think, bro, they have too good a team... For anyone to play in Serie B, that, but let's let's remember Nathan Nandez, who we thought was too good for Serie B, did two years there with Cagliari. Dennis Mann for Dennis Parma. Dennis Mann for Still Parma, there. exactly. So many players, even Mahaila for Parma, but stayed there look, for a while. Lauriente, yeah, too good. Too Serie good for A, Serie he'll B. probably move overseas. Pinamonti, I believe he, he's owned by by um, Inter. I think no, no, no. Sassuolo bought him. Sassuolo bought him. Yes, he leaves. He will even though, to, even uh, though, even though Pinamonti, a season in Serie B, will not do him bad. It will probably be great for his career and development, yes. but he'll probably um, join like one of the newly promoted teams and, and do that for a while, and eventually yeah. turn into like Bonazzoli. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's, that was the trajectory Bonazzoli took. Berardi will leave. Obviously, uh, I I can't believe he's still there. Kind of thing. Um, by Rami Thorsvet, they leave as well, you know. By Rami and Thorsvet leave. Um, Enrique leaves. Doig leaves. Viti Tresoldi leave. But they, I, I genuinely think they all leave. They have to rebuild or play with a bunch of youngsters. Molatieri stays decent, like it's what he's used to. Youth system. Yeah. Um, yeah, Molatieri probably stays. You know, um, Lepani maybe Lepani. Uh, but yeah, um, absolutely devastating stuff <laughs> by Atalanta, destroying absolutely everyone in their part. Atalanta are the second best team in the league at the moment, at the moment hands yeah. down. And I, 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 heard a, I heard a guy say that Gasperini is like Sir Alex Ferguson in the way that like... I mean, no way. New boys come up and he develops them and he molds them into his system. I, and I it mean, doesn't to matter. a degree. It doesn't matter who leaves. Like when Ronaldo left United, you know, they managed to replace him and to maintain Not success. Kind of like, yeah, that's that's the thing. He's kind of like a budget 
Sir Alex Ferguson. I see, I, I see it, but if you're going to compare someone to Sir Alex Ferguson, they should at least have 10 trophies. Right? <laughs> I don't yeah. think they have a budget. Um, Alex Ferguson from Wish, right? Like, not, not even, bro. Fucking uh, Alex Ferguson at home. And I love that the, it's not about a prolific goal scorer at Atalanta. The goals come from absolutely everywhere. everywhere. Because everywhere. they have so many different yeah. avenues to attack from, though. This year, they have 47 goals scored. Coop Miners is the top scorer with seven, tied with Lukman. Like you're kidding me. Decay Talare has six, Kamaka has six, Ederson has five. The list goes on and on and on. They've all been getting goals, man. This is these are the, the boom town rats, baby. That uh, why am I so hyped after you said that? Like Atalanta <laughs> are the fucking. You're right, bro. Atalanta are the boom town rats. And they're on forty-five points in fourth place, <laughs> while Sassuolo are in 18th with 20 points. Cutting it pretty close. Yeah, huh? We need to get mint on, Cutting so we'll see what he has to say about this. I'm surprised Dionisi is still in charge. Why the hell don't they sack him? Like Because, uh, I don't know, man. Liverani is taken. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him Ballardini, man. Put him on the Sassuolo bench. Why, why, why don't they go... 4-4-2! Four, four, <laughs> Loki Ballardini is a is a great shout. I would even go so far as to say maybe Walter Mazzari. Um, he, he was bro was just at Napoli. Like I, I'm sure he could bring something to the Sassuolo team. Um, no, stay away. Stay away, <laughs> stay away from flag. Mazzari. Red flag, red flag. Yes, yes. No, I I don't know if I take him right now, man. Plus, I don't even think it want to go because he's still getting paid. From the yeah, so so that's probably um, impossible. Um, you, you go for one of the experts, eh? You go for a Ballardini type of guy if you're in this position. I think that's what you do. And then next season you try to bring in a manager with a bit more pedigree to try to rebuild with because these guys, Sassuolo man, have had a pretty successful time in Serie A since they came up. I mean, what's his name? Di Francesco took them all the way to the Europa League. Yeah. Let's not forget that. He brought yeah. them up from Serie A and took them to the Europa League. Then Deserbi joined. We watched them against playing... West Ham on the Mediterranean cruise, bro. Exactly. Smoking then... cigarettes in the casino, man. What the it. fuck? I love cruises so much. It was a gorgeous time. Um, and then they brought in Deserbi, who had them playing this incredible brand of football that that no other team in Italy mm-hmm. was playing. He was also on the verge of molesting yeah. everyone. And then, <laughs> and then Dionisi came in. And Dionisi at first seemed to be a promising up-and-coming manager, but things have definitely gone stale, as we've said. Things have gone totally stale at Sassuolo, and it's time for a change. Yeah. Next game, Lazio 1, Bologna 2. Lazio were coming off a 3-1 away win to Cagliari and a midweek 1-0 win over Bayern. Bologna coming off a 2-0 win over Fiorentina, which took place midweek. That's something we forgot to mention. There was the midweek game between Bologna and Fiorentina ah, yes. where Bologna won 2-0. Yes. Um, the previous encounter between these two teams was a home victory for Bologna with the score of 1-0. Vecino and Romagnoli were suspended with Zaccani, Hisai and Rovella injured. So Patrick returned to the starting eleven for the first time since dislocating his shoulder a month ago. But that wasn't for long as he got injured in the... Beginning of the game, which led to Cesale replacing him. Freuler set out a ban and Sao Mauro was injured for the visitors who beat Fiorentina 2-0 on Wednesday. 
On the 13th minute, Immobile thought he opened the scoring, but the goal was disallowed. Anderson had done very well to dribble and outmuscle Posh before playing a defense-splitting pass to Chiro, who finished through the legs of Skorupski. However, it was disallowed. But four minutes later, Isaacson managed to get a legitimate goal with the help of Chiro Immobile. Momentum obviously favored Lazio. Isaacson won the ball high up the field off of Ferguson. Played a lovely one-two with Chiro Mobile and finished into the bottom corner very well. You told him to relax. Hey, how about he doesn't? I think um, he's relaxed. Huh? He has relaxed a little bit. He doesn't he look, look as frantic. He, lo- he looks composed, more composed, and his confidence has gone up. I think. Yeah. I think he's getting positive reinforcement for his for his performances, man. Yeah. So he's starting to build up his confidence. Mm. Uh, he's active but not frantic. Yes, he was quite frantic before. Absolutely. In the thirtieth minute. Call, call, call me. Say, oh, Matt, he's so reactionary. This is this is save of the season <laughs> so far. So in my Skorupski. opinion, yes. Ah, the fully yes. extended one on yes. on Isaksen, bro. Incredible fingertips. Yes, yes, yes. Fingertips. Isaksen cut inside and curled the ball. He did curled it around Skorupski, but at the most full stretch possible, at the fullest stretch possible. <laughs> He managed to fingertip literally like with the tiny, tiny part of his finger, the one, the one that like has a lack of cartilage. Like just <laughs> fingertip stuff. Fingertip stuff. To save it onto the post. If you watch the highlights of this game, there's a fantastic angle in slow-mo and you get to see him pulling off that save. You get to see his face yeah, while he does that. And how extended ah! he was. Yes, bro. The fullest of stretch. Yeah, I haven't heard you use the word finger this much since you were 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. Uh, 39th minute. Bologna equalized through El Azuzi. Um, Lazio absolutely fucked it, to say the least. Provedel played a pass to Luis Alberto. Luis Alberto played the ball back to the keeper as though he didn't have four Bologna players around him. To be honest, he still could have done much better because he played a first-time pass without looking... He crucified him, I don't Yes, he, he did crucify him. Um, but he played it directly to Fabian. It bounced off and fell to El Azuzi, who finished. The linesman called for Offsar immediately, but VAR confirmed that um, El Azuzi was in an onside position. So the goal stood. 43rd minute after some chaos in the Bologna box, Lukumi did brilliantly to head Gwenduzi's strike off the line. In the 74th minute, Skorupski produced another great save. This time it was a brave stop to um it was he was very brave to dive into the feet of Tati Castellanos, who was clean through on goal. In the 78th minute, Zerk Zay got the winner for Bologna. He played a lovely ball out wide to Christiansen, who returned a dangerous cross into the area where Zerk Zay made his run. And the Dutchman finished with a sharp volley into the bottom corner. An exquisite rifle of a volley into the bottom corner. And it just shows he can create, he can score. Yes, sometimes Zergzi is uncertain when he's in front of goal. He's, like, he's always caught between two minds. He always fa- favors the pass. But as time progresses, he's really he, he can hopefully really improve in that area. Yeah, Um that was a killer's goal. That exactly. was the goal of a killer. And uh, that's not something we've been saying about Zergzi. Zergzi is silky. He's technical. He's a beast. But that killer instinct wasn't something that he's, he's, he's known for. 
So it's good to see him scoring goals like this because they would be important for his development. If he were to be a number nine for an important team, he has to get goals, like, mm-hmm. like proper goal scoring striker. You know, yeah. you have to be that. Um, I thought Lazio approached the game well. I thought they started very strongly. I thought they picked up where they left off against Bayern Munich. I just think they didn't have enough in the tank, to be honest, to get, yeah. it, to, get to do it for two halves. And I do think that that mistake really rattled them. And they, it was all downhill after that. I mean, these guys are only human. Eh? You make yeah. a mistake like that, you know, Luis Alberto and Provedel will both be a little bit um, yeah. frustrated afterwards, frustrated, annoyed, like... Uh, you know, I can't even imagine the feeling embarrassed. Yeah. Now, now keep in mind, Bologna also had their midweek midweek game against Fiorentina. Mm. Um, but the thing is, with Bologna's style of play, I don't think these players can get too fatigued. <laughs> they they play, so it, it it's often been mentioned this two seven two formation of um. um Motta. Yeah, the vertical one. No? The, the, yeah, it's a it's it's a, a horizontal rather oh. a horizontal two seven two. Yeah. So it's not like two defenders seven players. No, it's it's two players on the left, seven players in the middle, and two players on the right, which really allows Bologna to dominate the midfield part of the pitch. Now, if you look at the way they play, switching play from side to side with short fast passes almost in a in a tiki-taka way and they base a lot of their play off of trust mm-hmm. no matter what situation a player is in they pass the ball to him because that is the routine and the player more likely than not they are able to to pass the ball out of it but because of this style of play there isn't much let's call it physical activity it's not very taxing physically exactly yeah. exactly so they had the capacity to be fiorentina 2-0 midweek, which aren't an easy side to play against, and then travel to Rome and beat Lazio 2-1 away from home. So I understand that Lazio didn't have enough in the tank following their great historic victory over Bayern Munich, but I think Bologna's style of play is so sustainable that Bologna are one of those teams that are dangerous for 90 minutes mm. because they, they don't gas themselves out. That's a that's a fair point. Plus they have the personnel to come off the bench and do exactly what the starters were doing um stylistically at least the subset the personnel on the bench can can get the job done yeah um yeah the heat map's a very interesting one of bologna as well it's like a straight line at the halfway line and no player beyond that so it's mm-hmm. like they press in the middle but it's weird because they force the goal on provadel by pressing high yeah you know so yeah. so there, there is an element of course of pressing but it's very very tactical yeah it, it's it's strategic to yeah. say at least and it's more about the positioning of the players rather than the press of the players like mm. um like you see fabian for example he's positioned so high up the pitch more often than not he is more advanced than Zergzi. Mm-hmm. more often than not Zergzi is is out in a number eight role looking for the wingers or looking for fabian in the middle yeah. um but yeah but bologna are back they they went through a bit of a spell where they suffered, um, but now they're they're unbeaten in five, and they have four wins on the trot. Before that, it was their two-two draw against Milan. They're they're definitely um, back with a vengeance, you know. Mm. Um, I I was quite surprised at how they dipped because they had looked so promising and so consistent, mm. and they seemed to have everything figured out. 
and they seemed to have a plan B and a plan C when things weren't going to plan. Um, so so it's nice to see them bounce back and it would be great to see a team like Bologna in Europe um, with that stadium. Can you imagine that stadium on a European absolutely, night? Absolutely, man. Um, I would absolutely love that. It Come on, give us, give us the fifth spot, man. Give us the fifth spot. If Lazio knock out Bayern Munich... Honestly, it's going great right now. Co- Coefficient-wise, it's it's going well. Yeah. It's going well. Uh, Italian teams just keep winning in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> like Lazio beat Bayern. Madonna. Inter beat Atletico. Milan beat Rennes. This is going swimmingly right yeah. now. Let's yeah. Let's just hope that no one shits the bed. Mm-hmm. It's looking good. Um, Lazio, like you said, they started the game off well. I thought Immobile um, is... is Showing us signs of the the player he was a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. However, Luis Alberto, it seems like he's fallen off a little bit in in recent performances. Uh-huh. It's like a lack of insertion almost. Yes, yes, he looks pedestrian in in the games nowadays. He doesn't have that kind of. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I feel like the best quality of Luis Ad- Alberto is how how pissed off he is when he yeah. plays. How fired up he is! Mm. How he, he probably hasn't played. fought with the management yeah. for a while. He plays with a, <laughs> he plays the scowl on his face when he's playing well, you yeah. know, and he's always like swearing and mouthing everyone off. I feel like ah, he looks a little bit either indifferent or not one hundred percent. Maybe it's his condition that's not great. Maybe he's tired. All I know is that it's difficult to rest him right now because Kamada once again. Not really showing much. No. He came on against Bayern Munich when they were a man down. He really had a mo- He could have totally attacked them and he could have really seized the opportunity to try to ma- get his confidence up and make a name for himself on the European stage. Instead, he kind of let play happen around him instead of yeah. actually um, asking for the ball and trying to make things happen. Exactly. Just two things before we move to the next game. Um, Zergzi has been... Sucking Milan off a little bit, um, <laughs> talking about how it's every Dutch forward or every Dutch player's dream um, to play at Milan, that he's impressed and in awe of the San Siro and the atmosphere over there. Obviously, there have been links and him passing these comments, obviously, um, you know, it, 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 creates, it, it creates speculation. Now, we're both massive fans of, of Zergze. Mm-hmm. Um, he's young, he's talented, he's amazing. He would typically, on paper, suit the style of Milan, who enjoy playing with a more creative number nine. However, you said something interesting last time about how you don't see him fitting the system. Please elaborate. Ah, uh-huh, because I see um, Milan lacking... A killer man up front, and Milan thrive when they can, when they can, when Giroud pulls something out of his hat, you know, and mm. like just scores something out of nothing. For example, let's look at um, Milan's most recent successful season, the Scudetto winning season. They were playing their best football. They went on a great stretch. Um, and let's look at the head-to-head game that essentially won Milan the league that season, the game against Inter, mm. the winning goal was Giroud being an absolute killer. killer. Turn, shoot, devastating, you know? Mm. So that's what I wonder. When you have a player who's kind of, um, who beats around the bush, let's just say that, like Leao, for example. Mm. Leao is a player who who isn't, as we said, a prolific goal scorer. Mm. What you would want to counter that is someone who's more direct, someone who's more goal scoring focused, someone who's more of a killer. Mm-hmm. Zergzi, I'm not, I'm not too sure, is that type of player. He's a very creative forward, and I wonder how he could link up with Leo. And I do, um, 
hope <laughs> and I do envision them having a, an incredible partnership and this incredible chemistry of you know passing and moving and passing and moving and dribbling and nothing mm-hmm. that would be incredible to see Zergzi and Leao link up well However, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure about it because they're quite similar in the way that they both beat about the bush. They're both mm. not very prolific, mm. if you know what I mean. Of course, Zergs is still young and this can change. And we have seen moments where he has actually been a killer this season. Like this game, for example, he created that last goal all, all himself. As you said, his movement into the box was absolutely top-notch mm-hmm. and that finish was cold. But yeah, um, I'm not sure. To be honest, I'm quite sold by him, um, and 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 I would probably want him more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I get what you mean because up until last season he wasn't scoring, um, and scoring doesn't exactly seem to be his priority. He's often looking for the pass, um, but I think he's got it in his locker. I think he can unlock something in his teammates. Um, like Milan, don't have someone that can play a defense splitting pass in their team. Um, Zegzi can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll start seeing Leao in more goal-scoring opportunities. Uh, maybe we'll see him... Because th- the thing is with, with Leao, what I hate is when he cuts inside and goes for it himself. But we never see him making a dangerous run off the ball into a goal-scoring area inside the box. When is Leao mm-hmm. ever attacking the box off the ball? Mm-hmm. Zegzi could encourage that. He could encourage that with Pulisic. He could encourage that with Loftus-Cheek. I think it's... I don't know. I think it would be a great investment. My favorite thing about this potential deal is that Milan have some room for leeway over here because of Salamakers. Salamakers is over there. We have the likes of Colombo, who's been offered in every in every deal. Um, I think they could make it happen because I, I feel like Bologna will ask for something upwards of thirty million. Yeah, 40 I think they'll ask easily. forty. Yeah, I think they'll ask for Scuola, so, Bayern Munich, yeah. marketable twenty guy. million, and Salamakers. I take it. Huh? 20 minutes, I'll take it in a fucking heartbeat, dog. Yeah. Um, last question, Providel, overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated? Perfectly rated, Providel, slightly underrated, I would say. Um, on a, in, in Italy, perfectly rated. Overall, global reputation, underrated. Because he's a good player. Granted, he made a mistake over here, but he's a fantastic goalkeeper. I agree. A good shot I agree. No, because obviously Twitter has been going nuts, yeah, saying yeah, that he's course, overrated, course, and, I, and I totally... Totally disagree with that. Uh, remember the guy was at Spezia two years ago. Stupid bird app. Yeah. Um, Lazio are in eighth place on 37 points, um, whilst Bologna are in fifth on 45 points, level on points with Atalanta, who have a game in hand against Inter. Napoli faced Genoa at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona and drew 1-1. So for Napoli, who at the time were under Mazzari, um, played with Meret in goal in their 4-3-3, with Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Ostegardo, Mazzocchi at the back, Anguissa, Lobotka and Hamad Traore in midfield, Politano, Simeone and Gvaratskelia leading the charge. For Genoa, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Josep Martinez in goal, Vasquez, Bani and De Winter as the centre-back trio, with Sabelli and Martin on the flanks, with Frendrup Badel and Messias in the middle, and Goodmanson and Retegui up front. Now, Gvica Gvaratskelia aimed to capitalise on Victor Ozyman's absence and equalise the Nigerian Serie A tally, um, initiating promising attacks within two and a half minutes. Um, he was doing the whole... Um, 
trademark thing at the moment. It's the the Gvarat scale, I would call it, when you cut left, cut right, cut left, cut right. It's mm. like where is he gonna go? You know. Well, and he then, pulled off against Atalanta. Exactly, and he almost he almost scored one like that from the get go. This game, and mm. this was this was literally, bro. This game, I could just summarize it. I don't even need to go through the play by play. It's Gvarat Scalia against the world, man. <laughs> Honestly, because it's only him attacking. Yep. And then eventually, at the end, they brought Ngonga of the bench and he saved them. That's it. Mm-hmm. But throughout the game, I man... I see you've committed to the Ngonga. I don't know what to do, man. Every, no one's saying Ngonga anymore. It's true, man. It's true. So it, was all about, yeah, it was all about Ngonga. When yeah. he was, I guess it was Ngonga at Verona and Ngonga at Napoli. Yes, bro went to the south of Italy and switched up real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still going to run you through the, the game, obviously. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so Napoli dominated the first half Hamatro and Anguissa created goal scoring opportunities but they couldn't get anything done in the second half Genoa seized the lead when Friendrup capitalized on a poor Napoli clearance silencing the home crowd with a well-placed shot to get his first goal for Genoa and his first goal in Serie A the exciting Morten Friendrup Gvaratskele responded with skillful maneuvers creating chances but Giovanni Simeone and others could not convert Gvaratskelia's set pieces kept Genoa on the defensive, um, notably a corner that Zambo Anguissa missed from six yards within with 16 minutes left. With time ticking away, Napoli mounted the late comeback. Giovanni Di Lorenzo's cross found Cyril Ngonj of the far post, and in the 90th minute, Ngonj maintained composure, turning and firing past the goalkeeper. It was a little spin and shoot. Mm-hmm. At the a point, you said Ngonj and others... Yeah, I think <laughs> my mind just thought it's like that's the title of the episode. No, <laughs> it's, it's it's like when you when you're on someone's photo and there's someone you follow likes the photo at like one hundred and nine thousand others. Like yeah, that's it. Um, this game, it's like Gvaratskelia and seven others attempted a shot. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, Genoa are just so impressive as as always, and Napoli are so underwhelming, man. They really don't have any strategy going forward mm-hmm. um, especially under Mazzari and in fact this is going to take all the talking points he's been sacked for a man called Francesco Calzona I'm not sure did we cover this in the last episode and uh, no, no we right we didn't of course not. okay so Francesco Calzona of course has been appointed as Napoli manager um, just two days before their clash against Barcelona in the Champions League now you'd ask me okay but surely he's an experienced manager right <laughs> no he isn't He's only been the manager of one team, and that happened in 2022 when he became the manager of the Slovakia national team. Now, he is still in charge of Slovakia. He's in charge of Slovakia and Napoli at the same time. Didn't even know that was an option. Eh. Like, I thought, couldn't Spalletti have done that? Um, but before that, he was the assistant manager at Napoli, Cagliari, um, Empoli, Sorrento, Alessandria, Perugia. He has worked alongside Sarri. Yeah. And he worked at Napoli with Spalletti. Yep. So what De Laurentiis is doing is absolutely hilarious to me. It's like, if you can't get Spalletti back, bring his assistant yeah. back. At first it was, just get someone who plays a 4-3-3, <laughs> yeah. because it's the same thing. Like, And then it was, you know, just bringing someone that's managed them before. So now it's like, oh, maybe we should try harder yeah. to replicate Spalletti. Yeah. So I got his assistant. If they don't beat Barca today, I think um, ADL will give him a call and tell him, hey, can you shave your head? <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, at least Calzona has had a lovely playing career. 
He played for one season at Arezzo, where he had featured three times and scored no goals. Yeah, once in the Coppa Italia as well. <laughs> ah, respect, respect. Um, his manager, he's been the assistant manager. I know you said this already. Yeah. Perugia, Alessandria, Sorrento, Empoli, Napoli, yeah, yeah. Cagliari. Yeah, and with the Slovakian national team, he has a 50% win rate. He's managed 14 games, won seven, drawn four, and lost three. Which, to be honest, for Slovakia, isn't bad. I, I don't know the quality of opponent, but... Um, but yeah, um, definitely not a long-term hiring no. over here, unless you find success and you have no choice, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe they win the Champions League. <laughs> um, it's definitely interesting with Barcelona happening so so soon after. But yes, that is pretty much what's happening at Napoli. I'm very curious to see how they'll play. Are they really going to move back to a 4-3-3? Because Mazzari kind of had them playing a three at the back formation. At least in games, he would opt for that of not starting like that. So uh, the players must be so tired of this at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Napoli are in... Where are they? In ninth, okay. <laughs> ninth with 36 points. While Genoa are in 12th with 30 points. Next game, Frosinone nil, Roma 3. Frosinone were coming off a 5-1 loss to Fiorentina, whilst Roma were coming off a 4-2 home loss to Winter and a midweek 1-1 away draw to Feyenoord. The previous encounter between these two sides was a 2-0 home victory for Roma. The Giallo Rossi rested the Bala after Thursday's 1-1 Europa League uh, playoff draw away to Feyenoord, so Baldanzi got his first start with Tammy Abraham now being the only remaining absentee. Surprisingly, or not, Svelar was chosen ahead of Patricio in goal. However, the Canarini had Romagnoli suspended, plus Gadjemis, Gadjemit, Gadjemit, Gadfuck it, uh, Zortea, Markitsa, Oyono, Bonifazi, and Luzwardi out injured. They've had an injury crisis for a while. It's probably because you know how Frosinone play their football, hmm. the same way the Japanese fought in World War II. Turati in goal for Frosinone with a backline of Valeri, Okoli, Monterisi, and Lirala. Uh, Mats Italian Brescianini in a double pivot with Jelly, Reiner and Sule playing behind Caio George. There's a 4-2-3-1 formation for the Rossi's men with Svelar in goal and the backline of Christensen, Mancini, Huysen and Angelino. Angelino. Um, a double pivot of Cristante and Paredes with Baldanzi, Azmoun and El Sharawi playing behind Lukaku. In the 23rd minute, Svilar pulled off a great save to deny Sule's curling strike from distance. It was quite similar to the save of the season um, of Skorupski, um, but he didn't need to stretch that much to get his fingertips. He managed to get an entire palm, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a bit easier. Um, but no, fantastic save by the keeper stepping in um, to replace Rupa Trish. Um, 30th minute, Frosinone had the ball on a plate three times in a row inside of Roma's area. First Villar saved, then Mancini blocked, and then Caio George hit it just wide. In the 38th minute, Huysen was like, why are Frosinone absolutely demolishing us? He collected the ball on the halfway line, skipped past George, uh, charged forward through the middle, sent Mazzatelli to church and curled the ball into the far corner from outside the area and hit us with a sui during the celebration. What a fucking screamer by the centre-back. Amazing. Everyone lost their minds. It, it, it's 
one of those things you love to see a centre-back getting a goal like that. Like I said earlier, he was linked with a move to Frosinone in January, but he chose Roma and he showed Frosinone just what they missed out on. <laughs> in the 71st minute, Asmoon made it too. Cristante's crack from distance was saved by Torati, but fell to Asmoon, who finished on the rebound. Now, I don't think Asmoon ever played for Frosinone. I, I don't know, man. So why is he apologising for the goal? I, I have no idea why he put his hands up, why he... Maybe, maybe, maybe it was because Huysen had celebrated so obnoxiously. That's the well, only he thing. He didn't really. The half-assed Sui. Uh-huh. I don't. But I, I honestly can't understand why he wouldn't celebrate. Because it doesn't make any sense. He has no. He has no affiliation with Frosinone. Not know? at all. Let's well, just, just take like, a look here. It's just like sorry, you guys. <laughs> all right. Yeah. How sweet. Well, what a cool. nice guy. Now we know Azmoon's one of the real ones. Nice exactly. guy. He doesn't celebrate against yeah, Frosinone. He's, he's never played for them. Until you find that, I'll just say that in the 80th minute, Paredes converted a penalty. He sent Torati the wrong way. The penalty was won by Baldanzi's shot that struck the stray arm of Okoli. Are you still looking? Yeah. Um, no, bro, he never played for them. Yeah, there you go. What the hell is going on? I have no idea. He played for Rostov. And Zenit and Leverkusen, but never, never Frosinone. Weird, man, weird. I feel like Frosinone started the game off trying to expose the defensive vulnerabilities that Rome are currently facing under De Rossi. And I feel like had Roma not opened the scoring in the first half, then it, it, it would have been quite a tough affair because Frosinone really set the tone with consistent offensive football and they can stun a team um but they roma did well to remain calm and weather the storm they got a, a hurrah goal and after that they really managed to you know showcase their dominance um um Frosinone, i'm not quite sure about their approach um i love the fact that they play positive football and was working like a charm for them but in this day and age lately as the season progressed this is going to get them relegated, man, because you yeah. can't you can't continue with this approach because you've stopped scoring as many goals as you used to. And if you do go out with this plan, you need to score three goals to win a game, you know? Yeah. Like you're conceding at least two goals every game. It's, it's not working. There's something seriously broken about the system and they need a plan B. They need a different approach. You can't just attack everyone, especially with the quality you have on your team. Yeah. You can't just attack everyone. Listen to this. Frosinone lost seven out of their last nine matches, but their last nine matches were against. Listen to this. Juve, Lazio, Monza, Atalanta, Milan, Fiorentina, Roma. Those are the seven games they lost. They then, they drew to Hellas Verona and they beat Cagliari. But those seven, give them a break. What's the, you, you heard who I said, bro. Yeah, yeah. All of them, all of them. All of them except except Inter. <laughs> it's um, and they have Juve up next. Who <laughs> <laughs> they also it played in the cup? But Italia, then, but then, this is going to be very telling. Lecce and Sassuolo back to back. So that's very good. That's going to be telling for for first and you know attack Sassuolo. Yeah, attack Lecce. Sure, I mean Lecce are quite dangerous on the counter, but you can't go out and attack this fucking Roma side from the get go. No. You know, I don't know. I don't no. know. There's something wrong with the approach. Yeah. Um, I think Roma, they they rotated quite well. And this is what I'm talking about, dude. This is exactly what I'm talking about. They brought on Baldanzi and Asmoon. 
You know what I mean? They they yeah. kept Lukaku in there. They kept El Sharawi in there. They kept Cristante, kept Paredes. Subtle changes um, in order to remain sharp, even in a game like this. Sure, um, same as Inter to that degree. Um, but I don't think there's too much to go into when a team like Roma beats a team like Frosinone three goals. To no it. way. Um, a stellar performance by Roma. Um, De Rossi continues to impress, as we said in the intro. He... Um, we discussed last week if his performance, if Roma's performance against Inter warranted um, failure on De Rossi's behalf. I said yes, he failed to get anything out of the game, so it's a failure. You said no, it's a success. He passed the first test because he gave Inter such a run for their money in the conditions that um, that there were. Um, if that was up for debate, the rest of his tenure has not been up for debate because even in the European fixture, he got a draw in the away match against quite a formidable opponent. Um, so far, so good for the Rossi. Absolutely. What a what a start for him. Mm. I wouldn't have expected this at all. Yeah. Roma are in sixth on 41 points. They're still four points behind fifth-placed Bologna. They can't get there very much. Um, Frosinone in 15th on 23 points. Just three points ahead of Sassuolo on 18th. And Polito on Fiorentina and the Tuscan Derby and mm. actually held them 1-1. Um, they lined up with Caprile in goal. It was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Ismaili, Valukevic and Luperto at the back. Jazzy on the right, Kakace on the left with Grassi and Male in the middle. Zurkowski and Cambiaghi playing behind Alberto Cherry, who is not related to Juve next gen's Cherry. Yeah, yeah. For Fiorentina, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Terracciano and goal. Biragi on the left, Faroni on the right, who both experienced injuries this game. Milenkovic and Martinez Quarta as a centre-back partnership with Duncan and Mandragora in a double pivot. Nico Gonzalez on the right, Ricardo Sotil on the left, and Lucas Beltran playing behind Il Gallo Bellotti. And Zola's somewhere crying. Like. And Zola's underwater right now. <laughs> so... Empoli um, extended their unbeaten streak in Serie A under survival specialist Davide Nicola to a club record five games. So that's wow. how the season's going. Yeah. Um, it started terribly. They had one goal in how many games? Remember that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, now they're making history with, with Davide Nicola. Truly a special man. I, I would love to be in a room with him to see what yeah, all man. this, what, what his aura is about, man. Yeah. Because because he changes teams by stepping into that dressing room. Granted, he might fucking get promoted two days after yeah. speaking to him, man. <laughs> Granted, it seems to be short-lived. Um, because maybe his effect isn't long-lasting, you know? Mm. Maybe it's... He had a good season the season after at Salernitana. He had a decent season. But he always gets sacked, you know? He always gets sacked after. Sometimes even twice. Yeah, exactly. Bro, bro, what's this Jassy got a yellow card in the first minute? That's a fantastic question, bro. Um, he got a he, yellow card in the first a, minute. A robust tackle, brother. <laughs> okay. Um, he. It was a very hard tackle. Um, it was a very aggressive game from the get-go as well. I mean, Biragi and Faroni and Grassi all got injured in the opening half hour in this game. Jesus. So they were kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah, wow. Grassi was like a loose cannon, bro, out there. <laughs> In the 29th minute, Mandragora's precise pass set up Lucas Beltran, who fired low into the opposite corner, um, giving Fiorentina the lead. He literally squeezed it in, man. Mm. He squeezed it in. Yeah, literally. From a tough angle, From man. From a tough angle. Very, very good goal. After halftime, Empoli displayed renewed vigour, missing a chance to level um, early in the second period when Cancellieri fired wide. 
Um, on the third, then police seized an opportunity to equalize when Faroni fouled Conchilleri in the box. Conchilleri, man, is the most chaotic player in the league. He'll get the ball, he'll charge and charge and charge, and you never know if he's going to turn, if he's going to pass, if he's going to shoot. Um, but his industry is second to none, and he is the type of player I think a coach would love to have because he leaves everything on the pitch. Um, and that was the same point, by the way. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna deter a little bit over here, but this is the point I wanted to make about Uvaratskeli as well. Mm. It's true off the pitch. There's a little bit of controversy around him because um, his agent talks a lot, and and yeah. he's open to leaving publicly and all that. But on the pitch, he's never. He's never disinterested. Uh-huh, it never he's never over. pedestrian. Yeah. He's always involved. He's always calling for it. He acts like the guy. He's the mm-hmm. guy, you know. Yeah. But anyway, Conchuleri is like has the same philosophy and approach to football. Let's just say yeah. that. So yes, Conchuleri was fouled in the box, which means that new boy Mbayan Young could step up and show us if that first penalty was a fluke or not. And boy, was it not a fluke because this penalty was just as tasty as yeah. the first one. He is a specialist man at penalties. Wow. Apparently. He used to be at Milan at the time. Balotelli was there. And Balotelli used to take this, a similar penalty, similar style of penalty. So I yeah. wonder if he learned that from him because Balotelli was his big bro, remember, at the time. Balotelli was his big bro. And Balotelli also had a 100... Per- he had maintained yeah. a 100% record from the spot, which I believe got screwed up at Milan. Against the Dines, I believe. And, and I, I had it on video. Remember? That About was not with Tori. No, no, ah, I was like, yes. he never misses, he never misses, and Tori goes, he will miss, and then yes, he missed, and I screamed on the video yes. cut. Yes, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. so um, I'm sure he learned a thing or two from Super Mario over there. Mm. Empoli. He probably learned what not to do from yeah, Mario from, and, and well. maybe his personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when, when he crashed and said he was Traore? Did he do that? Yes, bro. bro. He crashed. He was in a car crash, young, and the police came up to him and, and they asked like for his for his identity, and he said that he was Traore. The Traore was playing with Milan at the time, <laughs> the bald one. <laughs> can you Ma. imagine? Can you imagine, bro? You get an accent. I'm I'm Zach. <laughs> 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 that haven't done that before. <laughs> Empoli, anyway, fueled by the equalizer, pressed forward. Razvan Marin tested Terracciano from a distance. Despite Empoli's efforts, um, they couldn't they couldn't um, find the second goal. Fiorentina held for a draw, preventing their first run of four straight Serie A away defeats since November 2021. Whoa, what a milestone for Italiano's men <laughs> not getting their fourth away loss in a row. Really, really like massive congratulations uh, to Fiorentina. I would say that everyone was upset after this game because Empoli didn't really jump, didn't really clear the relegation pool and Fiorentina um, dropped a little bit further away from that European spot. Yeah. Um, Hard fought though, Empoli are a tough nut to crack nowadays, man. They can really absorb. Fiorentina were, were all over them the first half, but they remained organized, they remained compact. And then by the end of the game, I think Empoli had the better chances than Fiorentina did. Bro, so, so they can I grow so. into games. Yeah. Absolutely. How crazy is it that one man can do that? Now, I know he comes in with his coaching staff and, and all of that, but one man, bro, one man. From the Empoli, we saw. The opening seven games, I believe, six games, seven games, they hadn't scored a single goal yet. Um, in comes this fucking miracle worker, Davide Nicola, snaps his fingers and they're holding Fiorentina, they're holding Juventus, they're, they're beating anyone that's, that's around their level. 
amazing, amazing stuff, man, by him. Yeah. They're really, really impressing me. And I'm really happy saying. Joseph Manala told us what he told us. Um, because we got some insight on David and Nicola yes. because because I didn't know that before we spoke. Right. I didn't know that he was. You want the to type. reiterate? Yes, we, for... we've we've mentioned this. Of course, um, regular listeners will know this. But Joseph Manala, um, the former Lazio man who we interviewed on our podcast, basically told us that um, David and Nicola, who he was playing for at, at Bari. Bari at the time, yes. Um, is the type of manager who comes in and even though Joseph Manala was on loan at the time and didn't really have a career at Bari didn't really have a long-term future at Bari Nicola made him want to die for him he said he yeah. makes football Joseph Manala said and I quote about life he mm. makes football about life so I'm curious to see what his approach is I, I'm honestly going to read more about Nicola yeah. man, because because he does He's honestly a miracle worker and he's done yeah. it twice. And you can't take a team from dead last to a miracle survival twice in a no. row by coincidence. No. Once at Crotone and once with Salernitana, man. He must have some real vigor about him. Yes. Um, he, he, uh, he also mentioned that he, he lost a son, mm. um, David and Nicola, which obviously, get, not, not, not to say that a, a dreadful experience like that would give him an asset in a, in, in, in a locker room, but. Tragedy occasionally brings groups of people together and, and using a devastating um, anecdote such as that to really get your players to feel a certain way, to feel that emotion mm-hmm. and to go out there and say like, yes, this is a matter of life and death. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's what he can do. He's a fucking miracle worker, man. Yeah, honestly, respect to him. Um, and disappointing stuff for Fiorentina. As I struggle to open the table. Yes, we're going over two hours in this one, yes, guys. It's okay, it's a treat for you guys. Um, Fiorentina are in 7th with 38 points, while Empoli are down in 16th with 22 points, two points clear of relegation. Yes. Torino to Lecce nil. Torino were coming off a 1-1 away draw to Sassuolo, whilst Lecce were coming off a 4-0 loss to Bologna. The previous encounter was an away victory for Torino with the score of 1-0. The Granata were eager to reboot after back-to-back stalemates but had Tamez suspended with Bongiorno, Rodriguez and Shores injured, so into an emergency situation in defence. Torino, don't you worry, we know all about that. Jean Dre returned from his ban for Lecce, but La Megbanda was out. It was a 3-4-1-2 formation for um, Juric's men with Vanya in goal and the backline of Mazina, Lovato and Gigi. Bellanova on the right, Lazaro on the left and a double pivot of Illich and Ricci with Vlasic just ahead of them. Um, Zapata and Pellegri starting up front. 4-3-3 for Lecce with Falcone in goal and the backline of Jean Dre, Pongracic, Baskirotto and Dorgu. Rafia, Blin and Ramadani formed the midfield three with Almqvist on the right, Udan on the left and Piccoli up front. Now in the 13th minute, Mazina had to clear the ball off the line after Vanya Milinkovic-Savic spilt a corner kick which led to a Piccoli attempt, uncharacteristic error by the big Serb. In the 49th minute, Bellanova got his first goal ever for Torino with a low thunderous strike into the bottom corner from the edge of the area. This guy, just every time I see him, he impresses me. It's much before his time at Torino that we noticed his talent. Um, He charges forward so effectively. He dribbles like a winger and turns out he has that shot in his locker as well. And he's quite a tough motherfucker as well. 
In the 70th minute, Pongracic got his second yellow card of the evening following a mistimed challenge on Ritchie, reducing Lecce to 10 men. And one minute later, Falcone was forced into pulling off a super save to the Nissan Abria header from point blank range. In the 80th minute, Voivoda's corner was headed in by Duvan to make it 2 0 and seal the victory for. Torino, finally Torino, um, who struggle to win games, struggle to get goals, they always look so solid as a team, and we know that a Juric team is going to look good, um, but struggling to get wins, they got two draws against Sassuolo and Salernitana, um, which are obviously two teams they should have beaten, but good to see them get the ball over the line now. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, I still think that it's it's gone a little bit stale, but they are in the running for a European spot. Uh, they can push for a Conference League spot. They're they're right up there. They're on thirty six points. That seventh spot is occupied by Fiorentina at the moment with thirty eight points. So mm. they're right there. They're still in the running. Let's see if they manage to consistently uh, see games out until the end of the season because it's definitely not a problem of defense. They started off the. The season with a terrible defensive display against Milan. Yeah. And they kind of recovered after that and they became tighter and tighter and tighter. But the goals always struggled to come. Now Duvan Zapata has found some form. He's been a revelation over there. Um, and and uh, Raul Bellanova as well, by the way, man. I'm sure Spalletti is watching him very closely because yes. this, this season is special for him. Di Lorenzo has been slack a lacking mm-hmm. recently alongside, you know, all of his teammates. Um Calabria, he's good, but he's not an Italy starter. Mm-hmm. And they Be- don't like him. <laughs> yeah, no, no one likes him. <laughs> he never him. gets called up. Yeah. yeah. Bella Nova might be this new right back for Spalletti's men. He, he, uh-huh. he, 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 he might just be it for Italy. Give him some time because he's still young. Um, 33 years old, still young. Yeah. He... he for me, for me, he can he can start some games from now. Um, it depends on how he was coping up for at the back, because we always see him in a. In a Apparently, Spalletti is open to a to a, to three, a three at, at the, the back. back. That would be very interesting. It. I mean, if he does that, he would have um, Di Marco on one side and Bellanova on the other potentially, yes. which could which could even Di Lorenzo. I mean, he's yes. he's good, but Bellanova, when it comes to bro, he he can. He, the way he charges forward is is exceptional. Yeah, it's yeah. very very good. He's got a, a good stride about him. Yes, a very good stride. He honestly, I, I I often call players horses, guys. But don't take anything away when I call people horses because I mean it, man. The guy the guy is a horse. He's a horse. <laughs> 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 great, well, yeah. um, I remember following him at the Primavera, and he used to post um, videos of himself on Instagram making these runs as a sixteen year old. And like I, I always used to think and posting to myself, pictures of Kellini's dick, of course, as well. As well. Yes, well. Um, and I always thought to myself, this kid's promising. He's a, he's a good. He's a good player. But then eventually, when he went off to the French league, I was like, ah, he's, it's, it's a shame that he's mm. taken this. His his career has taken this trajectory. Then he came back to Italy. I don't know who it was with Cagliari, I think Cagliari. Then Inter right after, and now he's at Torino, and this is his best season by far. But nice to see that he's learning, you know. I mean, when you move around and you spend some time at Inter, you learn from you learn from good players. Eh? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and to be honest, this season, Inter could have really utilized him because Dumfries has fallen out of favor. Um, Darmian is, is, is great for the way that he's utilized, but Bellanova, to me, um, his ceiling is high. His ceiling is very high. Um, so yes, that, that, that's enough um, about Bellanova. Um, that's enough about this game. I believe, um, to, to be completely fair to Lecce, who are quite... It's hard to put a finger on Lecce because they, they are part of the conversation for relegation, but sometimes they don't look like they're part of the they conversation were, They were many all. people's favourites coming into the season for relegation. Many people were saying, ah, Lecce haven't strengthened at all. Their yeah, team looks I was one of them. Looks weird, Lecce yes. and them play uh-huh. for relegation. Um, they've, they've done well so far, and um, I think that... I wouldn't write them as a write them off as a relegated team this season. No, I wouldn't write them off, but they they're part of the conversation. Yes, no? absolutely. They're, they're I contenders. Mean, anyone from thirteenth downwards, or from literally lecture downwards, everyone's yeah, in yeah, the conversation. Yeah, exactly. um, to be honest, technically, even Genoa and Monza are in the conversation because if they lose every single game left, they they're relegated. Like um, thirty three points, it's happened before. The teams have been relegated. Look at Empoli that one season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, thirteenth downwards. Uh, I, is yeah, the, I would say thirteenth yeah. downwards. They all have a solid, solid chance at relegation. Yeah. Like it's a toss up between them. Torino sit in 10th place on 36 points, level with Napoli. Uh, they both have a game in hand. Whilst um, Lecce sit in 13th place on 24 points, just 4 points ahead of Sassuolo on 18th. Up next. I live by and I've been trying to make Oh, I'm an island boy. I'm a just island boy. Yeah. I'm a just island boy. boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. Of course, we're talking about Cagliari. <laughs> the island boys, the Sardinians, they took on Udinese away from home and they drew 1 1. I'm an island boy. For the island boys, it was Scuffet in goal in their 4 4 1 1 formation without gel on the left, Zappa on the right, Dosena and Mina as the centre back partnership, Jakub Yankto was out on the left, Zito Lovumbo out on the right with Deola and Mokumbu in the middle, Lapadula was a sole striker with Gianluca Gaetano playing behind them on loan from Napoli. For Udinese, it was a, a 3 5 1 1 formation with Okoye in goal, Nguyen Perez, Gianetti, and Christensen at the back with Ezebue on the right and Zemura on the left. Lovrich, Wallace, and Samardzic were in the middle with Florian Thuvan playing behind Lorenzo Luca. Udinese, with just one home victory this season, quickly pleased their, flan- their fans. As Jordan Zamura ended an 18-match goal drought with an exquisite curling strike, giving the hosts an early lead. This was a magnificent goal, I man. Um, it was a very good goal, yes. In front of their flans. It keeps coming, bro. Flans. I don't know why I'm saying flans. <laughs> Despite Udinese's dominance, um, Lorenzo Luca's shocking miss in the 30th minute, heading just wide with no defenders nearby, proved to be costly for them. Cagliari capitalized on this reprieve just before halftime with unloaned Napoli player Gaetano confidently heading home Augello's cross. And this was a fantastic header. I didn't think that Gaetano had this in his skill set. I thought he was more of a of a player who thrived with the ball at his feet. But he beat a man in the air comfortably. He attacked yeah. the box well, like he inserted himself perfectly. Good header there by Gaetano to yeah, score two and two. Two and yeah. two. What a loan spell so far. Mm-hmm. Entering the second half, Cagliari, um, known for a 
lack of goals on the road aimed to increase their attacking threat. La Padula's fierce effort hit the crossbar early on while Udinese felt aggrieved when a potential handball by Zappa went unnoticed by the referee. Um, that was quite a, quite a controversial moment mm-hmm. over there. In the 74th minute, Samardzic's powerful strike narrowly missed the target, concluding the goal-mouth action. Um, I think this game went down to Lorenzo Lucca being a little bit too wasteful. Um, in my opinion, Lorenzo Lucca's strengths are actually not what many people would think yeah, that they are. Agreed. Many people would think, ah, a six foot freaking seven striker must be great in the air. Mm-hmm. I think he could be much better in the air. I think he's still far from the final product. I think for his size, he should be much better, much more dominant when it comes to aerial duels, especially the scoring headers. He's yeah. very good with the ball at his feet, man. Much better. At one point, though, a cross did come in, and I do think he had time to take it down, but he went for a volley on his on a stronger foot, but he failed to hit the target. Aha. These moments can be costly, right? This is um, his first season in Serie A as the main man for a team. It's going quite well overall, but you will get these games out of out of a player in his first season as the prolific goal scorer, right? Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. He was thrown into the deep end. He's starting week in, week out for Dunez and Serie A, which is naturally great for his career. Um, but he's still figuring it out, so to yeah. say. Well, so, you know, Udinez are still figuring it out as well. Absolutely, man. Um, Jordan Zamura got his first goal in Serie A. The man from Zimbabwe. Um, very happy for him. He looked pleased with that. Um, nice to see another goal. I don't think we've seen a Zimbabwean score this season. In, in Serie a. Mm, definitely not this season, yeah. no. Definitely not this season. Um, so, nice to see that. Yeah, I want to highlight Yeri Mina. Mm. Great performance. Fine, his first good performance. Let's be real this season because he's looked shaky so far. Man. Yeah, I mean, granted, he had a long. Yeah, but that's why injury. it's important to highlight him, yeah. right? Because he's had a bit of a breakthrough. He had a last ditch tackle. He loved yeah, that. Two end. of them, bro, bro. But one of them was incredible, and he he got up and like fist bumped the air, like yeah, yeah. love that. He's, love. A, he's a showman. Yeah, he is. He really is. Even when he scored the penalty for Fiorentina, broke into a little dance. Yeah, I rolled my eyes so hard. La Padula stepped up and took a free kick. I found that funny. That's true. I, I never... never expected La Padula to be on free kick duty, you know. Right. But yeah, um, when it came to who deserved to win this game, I would say Udinese slightly deserved it, but they didn't take their chances. So I guess in the end, a draw is a fair result. Um, Cagliari would be the more disappointed side. Um, they currently are in 19th with 19 points. Just one mere point from safety. While Udinese are up in 14th with 23 points. It's tight, tight, tight at the bottom. Yes. Um, That's it for this episode. I don't think we'll have anything else to add. It was a bit longer than usual because... You know, Milan went through a tough time this Ah, week. Sorry we spent a little bit too long um, speaking about Milan. But you know what, man? My show. (laughs) We often say that. Who's our boss? No one. Exactly. Wanted to speak about Milan, man, so let's yeah. talk about Milan. You know? Look, if the patrons come to me and they're like, we don't like the Milan content, Milan content, gone. Yep. Well, let's relax. Yeah. Right? It'll never be gone. Um, 
But yeah, we hope you guys en- enjoyed it. Um, some good talking points here, some smashing goals, Marianne. Um, we'll see you all next week. Oh, we, this this is something we should say. We're mm-hmm. going to Salerno, bro, to watch Salernitana. Yes, we have yeah. the book. We have yes. the book. That's going to be fucking crazy. Ah, because you don't like saying you're doing things before it's it's confirmed. Yes, that's the yes. thing about you. Yes, I, I yeah. don't like I don't like doing saying I'm going to do things till I do them. Actually. Yeah, that's it's it's a fucking weird thing I have. Um, real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Are we lasagna? We've been lasagna. Thank you for listening and we will see you all next week. Goodbye, guys. This is Serie Spotlight. If you like Serie A or have ever liked it in the past, it's a good opportunity for you to listen once a week and you'll get filled in. In the football weekend, that's like the main dish. But then a few days later, you drop your episode and that's like the dessert. And the dessert is just perfect. It's good, the cake. It makes it feel like we're all sitting in a room together, just BSing with each other. The atmosphere is fantastic. I promise nobody will ask you to send boob pics. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I love how you go into so much detail and show so much passion towards each and every team. Literally, no team is left undiscussed. When I listen to you, it's like I'm talking to you in a pub. It's like I'm chatting to a friend and you're chatting to me.